Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, what's up and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast brought to you by King's Comics in Sydney. My name is Levins. My name's Siobhan. And every week we read a rapidly increasing list of comic book issues and let you know which are the issues that you should be reading as well. And you can find every comic that we talk about at King's Comics, which is 310 Pitt Street in Sydney or at kingscomics.com. This week, uh, Marvel blew up Ohio, Mm. Superman fought the worst villain of all time, and Siobhan started a comic book reading group for ladies. Yay! So we'll be revealing all of those later on in the show. We're going to kick off this episode like we do every episode um, by uh, doing First Things First, which is where we review the first issues of uh, all the brand new series that have come out in the last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I forgot to mention, as well as talking about um, Siobhan's uh, brand new female comic book reading group, mm-hmm. um, we're going to be kind of celebrating that by recommending all of uh, Marvel's female superhero books. Mm, it's been It's a really cool time to be a female comic book fan there's a lot to read um that doesn't feel completely exclusionary <laughs> oh, and, and on, on, on that note too i mean like i i'm now reading more more female superheroes than ever and, yeah. lo- and loving it yeah so it's the best. i would go as far to say I, I think i'm enjoying female superhero books more than male at the moment actually i think i might agree with that yeah anyway mm. we'll, we'll, we'll try and work that out later in the episode but first Things first. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's kick it off with Civil War two zero. So it's actually, the event everyone was waiting. So for. zero things first is what yeah. we should call this part of it. Uh, so Brian Michael Bendis uh, has written the sequel to Mark Millar's Civil War, which is the uh, big event that kind of inspired the biggest blockbuster of this year, mm-hmm. which we both like quite a lot. The, the movie. Uh, the movie. Um, the Mark Millar comic. <clears throat> I, I loved the first time I read it. Yeah. And I still love it, I guess. I think for, you know, it kind of represents everything an event should be. Like event, events kind of are almost beyond critique. I mean, mm. I think Secret Wars that Jonathan Hickman did last year is probably the best event I've ever read. Mm. But, you know, Infinite these... Infinite these Crisis, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Infinite Crisis? You, actually, you like... Yeah, I, mean, I think Infinite Crisis is probably my favourite. Very readable. All yeah, very All Jeff readable. John's events are very readable. Absolutely. Um, it's Hickman's the, is not. <laughs> <laughs> As a standalone, like I, I, incredibly great comics, but a, a tricky event book to just jump into. That's true. Good point. Um, anyway, but uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- this massive blockbuster feeling that all of Marvel's event comics have had—they're kind of owe all that to Civil War. Yeah, that Mark Millar wrote with uh, who, who drew that one? Was it Coypel originally as well? 
Maybe. Could be. Um, yeah, Oliver Koipel is uh, is the guy who uh, has drawn and uh, this this book along with uh, Justin Ponzor on color. Um, so where the um, the Civil War that w- that happened years and years ago, um, the first one happened. It was between uh, Iron Man and Captain America. Iron Man was pro-registration of superheroes. Captain America was not. And the two and many others who joined sides and fought. Mm. And uh, it was a fun read. They managed to include almost every part of the Marvel Universe. My favorite part in that original series is when Punisher shows up um, and, and kills a bunch of like C-rate Spider-Man villains. Nice. Uh, but um, they kind of... Th- there's a funny moment where the X-Men are notably absent because they just want to sit this one out. <laughs> I remember that really well. Um, so they're going to try and do this again now, obviously. Civil War, Captain America Civil War is the mass- biggest movie of the year. And why shouldn't they capitalize on that? Um, this one is less about Iron Man and Cap. This one is... About- oh, it kind of is about Iron Man and Cap, but it's mm. about Iron Man and Captain Marvel this time. Mm. Um Carol Danvers is uh, uh, look. We, we don't know. We we kind of know vaguely what this is about. Um, yeah. Uh, Marvel are still trying to ram Inhumans down our throats. <sighs> yeah. Um, which is annoying because the Uncanny Inhumans book is actually quite great. Yeah. And- you don't you don't need to ram the Inhumans down anyone's throat. They're quite cool by themselves. You know. You don't need to force them into everything. And there is the, the theory that um they're doing this because they don't own, own the rights to X Men. Mm. Fox do and. Uh, P.S. Shout out to uh, X-Men Apocalypse for being... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe this is their way of, you know, introdu- getting, getting the Inhumans more popular than the X-Men ever were so they can then make millions upon millions upon billions of dollars mm. off the Inhumans instead of the X-Men movies. Uh, probably won't ever happen, but Seems Marvel mad sure as hell are trying. Um, so this story... Uh, week is kind of like the setup for the big civil war event i don't know why they call this issue zero and not issue one yeah why and we've already kind of got a peek the at only this story. reason i can think that they would call this issue zero is because it seems really rushed and they probably just went oh crap we have this gap that we meant to fill somewhere else and we didn't so quite can just put together an issue zero really really quick yeah uh so we get the kind of setup um there's a uh, an inhuman terrigen mist is what it turns inhumans into. It turns regular people into inhumans, and the Terrigen Mist cloud appears over Ohio University, and uh, there are like you know two people transform into inhumans. One of them has like powers that predict the future, and the other one explodes or does Woo. it? Maybe that that's the guy predicting that that's going to happen. Oh, I thought that the other person <coughs> who came out of the cocoon was like a scary, a scary spider lady monster. I thought that she was, like, a bad inhuman. Yeah. I mean, I think that might be that this guy... I don't even know. Who is, knows? Is, is that, like... I'm, I'm trying to work out... We're just spoiling the hell out of this because it's a zero issue. Zero issues don't count. Absolutely. You can't be mad about a zero issue being spoiled. Um, we just decided. <laughs> I can't... I can't, uh, I, I can't work out if this guy is... Um, actually seeing what's happened, the explosion, or, or yeah. this is one of his visions. Well, I just feel like it's... Oh, uh, yeah. If I guess if he's... Because the, cru- the crux of, of, of Civil War Two is that there is a, a, an inhuman who can predict the future and see people's deaths. So one side wants to make it so that um, he can predict crimes and, and they can arrest people before the crimes happen. And then the oh, other side thinks that's wrong. So that's going to be a lot more sense the now. argument. So is it going to be like Captain Marvel versus She-Hulk? Because at the beginning of this issue, we see She-Hulk defending someone in court who is a former villain who was arrested for um, 
just chatting with some old some old co-workers not actually doing any crimes and she was like oh we can't arrest people before they do crimes it's like minority report all over again what a great movie that i remember fondly every single second of it i don't i hated that movie so much and i was in high school that is genuinely one of my favorite movies really i love minority report that's hilarious it's amazing (laughs) um one of tom cruise's biggest hits of the last decade um Oh, it might even be more than a decade now. Yeah, it's pretty old now. Um, it, just, it just used to blow my mind. Sorry, this is off topic. But um, sitting in, uh, up until recently, I was working in advertising. And the amount of meetings that you would sit in and people would be like, it's going to be like Minority Report. And I would just be sitting there like, no one watched that movie. It wasn't cool. Like, It wasn't a good thing. I think people have heard other people describe things as like Minority Report. Yeah. I'm going to use that. Yeah, cool future meeting. stuff. <laughs> um, so I, I think it might even be setting it up so it's, Iron Man versus Captain Marvel and She-Hulk because right. in the free comic book day issue it looks like they're teasing uh, Rhodey aka War Machine is going to die or maybe he'll become paraplegic like in uh, in the movie universe mm. spoilers I wish they just killed him why I hate don't kill Rhodey no I like Rhodey but I'd rather <laughs> I'm just so petty that I would rather them kill him than have things match up with the movie universe sure stop doing it yeah but I mean like I don't know Take out take out Tony Stark once yeah. and Yeah. That's a that's an event I would read. That's an event I would read. Anyway, I mean like this is just setting up like your standard um your standard massive Marvel event and especially one that is written by Bendis. Um he uh does a a, a big old amount of uh lots of text. Very um, wordy. Lots of word bubbles, lots of uh words in those word bubbles. It's a classic Bendis. Mm. Did you miss it? Probably not. But here it is anyway. <laughs> you get to read it all over again. And I am I'm, I'm over the whole, like, like who knows if this is a vision at the end or if he has genuinely just exploded all of Ohio. <laughs> but, like, the massive scale destruction, like, I thought that, I mean, back in, what was it, like, the 90s, early 2000s when they destroyed Coast City, that was quite sort of compelling because you were like oh wow a whole city and it like the ramifications went yeah. on for a long time and it really affected all of the green lantern characters and all that stuff um whereas now it's just like that city's gone well i mean when you compare it to last year's event which destroyed an entire multiverse mm, true maybe this is pretty low scale i feel smaller for some reason <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, anyway. so it's civil war 2 we're gonna read it anyway but uh we don't have to enjoy it yeah and neither do you but you probably <laughs> will anyway because it, i mean there is a even though these are like unfulfilling on a on a critical level there is something fun about reading just these you know massive event comics yeah like, where you're like oh something big might happen it won't but it might yeah yeah you never know something could really change the whole marvel universe it won't though again <laughs> <laughs> let's move from marvel to dc um of course they're doing their big rebirth issue this week Whew. but uh before we got there we got a uh, an introduction to another another universe that they're starting, uh, and this is uh, taking the Hanna Barbera license, which they've pretty much only ever used for uh, comics for young kids. Mm. There's been long running Scooby Doo series and um, other uh, Hanna Barbera franchises. Um, so this whole big uh, DC Hanna Barbera universe that they're starting up now is mostly pretty sus. There's mm. uh, Scooby Doo Apocalypse, which we've made fun of in the past, which is Jim Lee. Uh, proving he has no idea what young people do or are. Once more, <laughs> doing a like a bizarre version of uh, of Scooby Doo, where um, like Shaggy is like a, a tattooed barista with yeah. a curly mustache, and uh, Scooby Doo looks like he has like some weird kind of technology hat 
that like blurts emoticons out instead of him talking with R's for all the first letter of each word, yep. which is adorable. Obviously. Um, uh, that We got Scooby-Doo Apocalypse coming out this week as well. So Rebirth and Scooby-Doo Apocalypse, two ways to be incredibly disappointed by DC <laughs> this week coming out very soon. Uh, but before we got there, um, they released a comic called Future Quest. And this uh, combines a lot of superheroes that I grew up with, um, first on like a regular superhero level and then on a laughing my head off level because these were all early Hanna-Barbera animations that were poached by Adult Swim, which was a uh, late-night stoner comedy uh, section of uh, the Cartoon Network in the 90s that kind of got access to all of Hanna-Barbera's animation and and kind of turned them into their own weird creations. So Space Ghost, for example, um, created by Alan Toft in, like, the... I don't know, like the 60s, I guess, uh, was like, you know, your average kind of space space hero, but they, he got reimagined on Adult Swim as a talk show host. And it was, uh, you know, just full of non-sequitur humor. It was, it was very, very... It was a ch- regular chuckle fest. Um, <laughs> and so too was Harvey Birdman, which used a uh, character called Birdman. Um, and uh, both Space Ghost and Birdman show up here. And so too does Johnny Quest, um, which was also famously parodied by the Adult Swim cartoon, The Venture Brothers. Uh-huh. So I go into this comic recognizing all the characters, all the analogies of the characters, but they're not the characters that I'm most recently have been familiar with. Mm. But that said, this is, this is a really, really great way to kind of, I don't know, I guess almost claim the characters back from, from adult swim, which can exist as its own thing. And, you know, will be classic forever. But, uh, this basically makes them superheroes again. And this really incredible kind of cosmic adventure um, it's been written by Jeff Parker, who is the perfect pick, um, just based off of the uh, Shazam stuff that yeah. he did last year. He's just the perfect pick for a writer of this series. Um, for something like nostalgic, 100% Jeff absolutely. Parker is your pick. And Doc Shana also nails it. Yeah, and not just Doc Shana, but also um, Steve Rude is, uh, is, does some art in this as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. I know he has ties to, uh, to similar properties as well. Um, and of course, Jordi Blair on Colors. It. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the colors are like one of the absolute ha- highlights of this this book. I was quite confused. Like, I mean, I I enjoyed this first issue, but as someone who has no knowledge of the Hanna Barbera um, cartoons and no knowledge of like any of the Adult Swim stuff, I was slightly confused at being introduced to these characters for the first time. I maybe would have liked like a tiny bit more, um, but definitely, definitely very interesting. Definitely yeah. a really good fun adventure story. I'm definitely going to be picking up the next couple of issues so the 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 cover of this comic kind of suggests that there is going to be a cast of 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 you know dozens Mm. on on this you've got like herculoids and all kinds of crazy uh hanna-barbera creations and uh we luckily they don't kind of throw you all of them at once yeah you do get so basically we kind of we see johnny quest meeting the world of uh birdman and um and there's this big cosmic event happening um that involves one of johnny quest's enemies um, it's really, really fun. I think even though, yeah, you might be a bit confused as to who mm. the characters are, I, I also, I, none, none of, I, me having known these characters just means I recognize them when they show yeah. up in the costume, not more. Like, the mythology and stuff that I know doesn't really apply to these comic series right, that much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Um, Same. I.e. space. <laughs> Yay! Uh, we, uh, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really, really fun book to follow and, and it definitely going to be the cream of the crop when it comes to uh, DC's Hanna-Barbera comics and possibly DC in general this year. <laughs> no, yeah. come on. Let's let's be positive. Oh, I, I love this comic. <laughs> this is like, this gets an A for me. So, like, if anything, it's the cream of the crop and then uh, hopefully there will be other A's as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. But, like, you know, if, if all the DC books come out are even half as good as this, I'll be very happy. Yeah, absolutely. 
let's move over to Dark Horse uh, for a <laughs> comic by Gene Ha. What's Gene Ha famous for? I, th- I don't know. What is Gene Ha famous for? Let's Google this stuff, guys. Live Google session. The, the absolute peak of how good a podcast can be. <laughs> Uh, he's one of those names that I just have seen in comics all over the place since yeah. reading them. He has a very, very he, memorable name. I know that he generally works sort of more in black and white, so it's always quite interesting seeing his like um, stuff coloured because I always think it looks kind of a little bit odd. He's done quite a bit of work for DC. I know he did Top Ten with Alan Moore. Um, and um, he did a bit of Fables as well. There you go. Oh, and he wrote um, some of The Authority and... Uh, yeah, he's, he's, done a, he's, look, he's done a bunch of stuff. Yeah, uh, he's th- been around. This is his uh, first big creator-owned comic, which is apparently he's been working on for quite some time. It tells the story of a uh, a young a young girl um, who, who whose sister disappears when she's growing up, and then doesn't, and then returns like ten years later, mm. um, seemingly out of nowhere, with connections to a um, a fantasy world that no one believes she once belonged to. It is very similar in basic concept to the Image series Birthright, which um, came out last year and I think is still going, um, which I quite enjoyed the first arc of. Um, I I quite liked this. The art's odd. It has a slightly strange, uncanny valley kind of quality to it. I don't know. I I don't know the right words to be able to explain. Yeah, I... It's capable pencils. I think it's in it, the, the uncanniness the comes in the colouring. Yeah. Colouring is, is, is a bit yucko. Yeah. Um, but uh, also the dialogue in this. I mean, it's an ongoing complaint that we will complain about uh, unrealistic dialogue between teenagers. Yeah. And this uh, definitely hits a, hits, hits a few of those notes. Um, look, all in all, it's it's a good introduction to what would probably be a, a quite a far out series. But mm. instead, we get a quite a grounded series with flashes of, of potential craziness. Yeah. Um, and so I think yeah that the, our, our frustrations with this might actually disappear by the second or third issue. Yeah, I definitely thought like the concept's fun so far. Like 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 the characters. I, I agree that the dialogue was like a little bit sort of weird and cringy, um, but it, it definitely had definitely had good bits. I thought. Yeah. For sure. And there's some really lovely pinups in the back, one from Brandon Graham and one from um, Amanda Connor. And if you're so fans of those, very cool. reason alone to pick it up, really. Absolutely. Um, I also worth noting that the, the, I think, was it this comic? The letters in this comic are by Xander Cannon, who uh, wrote um, Kaiju Max that we reviewed oh, last week. Oh, there you and go. He also wrote um, Heck as well. Multi-talented man. Very good. P.S. I caught up on uh, Kaiju Max, and I think it might be one of my favorite series coming out right now. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. It's really, really fun. I'll have to go back and read series one. Cool. Um, let's talk about Tank Girl. I didn't read it. Um, I did. Uh, so Tank Girl, a classic kind of property. Yeah. Uh, created, I- created by um, Jamie Hewlett, who went on to do The Gorillas, um, and Alan Martin, who uh, has written this comic. It is a, a, a relaunch of, of Tank Girl. Uh, is it like a proper relaunch? Or is it just a well, like new a mo- story? Modernized. Oh, okay, yeah, I, mean, right. I don't know how often Tank Girl comics come out these days. Mm, I feel like... I feel like you get like one one a year. Right, you would know better than I. Uh, Brett Parson drew and lettered this comic, um, and his art is very, very fun and capable, a bit goofy, like proper cartooning. Um, this is like a fun book if like it's very obvious that a dude wrote it and a dude drew it. Um, I think that's kind of the fundamental problem with Tank Girl forever right. and ever. Like she's good fun and everything, and I like the movie as much as anyone. But there's, there's always an... Um, she's a bit of a sort of... 
manic pixie dream girl for a specific type of dude. But yeah, she's very like very tough and 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 kicks ass, and that's great and empowering. But mm. also like you know, there's just like you know, just boobs and yeah, and and butts and you know, all that all that great stuff. But it kind of it just it feels a bit sinister, mm. uh, given the you know the, the the authors and that kind of thing. And I guess that you know, it kind of is at the heart of the character too. Yeah. But uh, like, if you previously liked Tank Girl. I thought this is pretty in line with the Jamie Hewlett stuff that I've read um, in the past, and you know, it, it is it, it is a fun story. Basically, um, uh, a um, a collector um, comes into the um, like basically the, uh, one of t- the Tank Girl's tank shows up in her collection, and um, she decides to shave her hair like Tank Girl and take uh. off in the Tank. So there are two Tank Girls in the world right now, and at the very end of this issue, they meet up and they both say, "What the fuck." Nice. Um, I forgot that uh, Tank Girl swears like a uh, what's the like a sailor? That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah cool. A, that that's works. Um, and uh, so what? That was actually quite fun to kind of realize. Oh yeah, that's right. They swear heaps in this comic. <laughs> um, couple of sea bombs. Oh, like, nice. Always, always fun to read in a big, big goofy cartoon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, if, if you're a fan of Tank Girl already, you'll probably enjoy this comic. If you're not, you'll probably be like, why does this even exist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Tank Girl. Nice. Uh, did you read a number one that I didn't this week, or no? All right, we've got no, we've got some, uh, uh, some a big glut of IDW number ones. Uh, yeah, I feel like I haven't seen an original like series creator and series from IDW in a long time, or at least not one that I thought was sort of compelling. I think they're they're, they're definitely put out a few, but yeah, the IDW are much more known for releasing way too many licensed properties. A lot of Star Trek comics. <laughs> Or other licensed properties meeting Star Trek. Comics. Yes. <laughs> um, so this, the first one is uh, called Archangel, um, and it is uh, written by William Gibson, who is uh, most famous for writing the novel Neuromancer. Okay. So he's, a, he's an author. This is his first ever comic. Yeah, um, you Ar- can. Um, I was about to say you can tell in a way that sounded really mean, but I didn't mean it like that. Right. But yes. Um, so this has been created by William Gibson and Michael St. John Smith and, uh, art is by Butch Geis. Uh, this is like a, um, a strange, it's hard to, hard to kind of describe that basically mm. in our present day, uh, there is time travel technology and, um, there is also face off technology. So we see a, um, a great grandson of a war hero have his face look like his great grandfather's, then take a team back in time to kill his great grandfather mm-hmm. and, begin working on something that will affect the future. Mm. Meanwhile, we see a UK agent who uh, who is, like uh, I guess, kind of the, the, uh, the our hero of this story. Yeah, she um, seems, it, like, it seems very sort of <coughs> X-Files-y, like she seems like a special agent in charge of, like, weird paranormal stuff. Yeah. So we kind of, uh, we, we see her trying to prevent this crazy event that's happening, or at least come to terms with it. Um, it definitely sets up an interesting world. There are lots of unexplained things in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm on board. I'm going to keep reading this I story. I really enjoyed it a lot. I think that um, especially, I, I read it through twice, and I read um, in the back, um, William Gibson sort of talks a little bit, and you get some cool breakdowns from um, Butch Geist and sort of talks about what they're, what they're doing with the book. See, I and skimmed over that straight away. This is one of those books where you'll, you'll pick it up, like, wow, this is a pretty thick book. I mean, like, no wonder they put a four ninety nine <laughs> cover charge on it. And then you realise that literally half, half the comic like is the story. Sketches, yeah. As in, like, there's a staple in the middle of the last page yeah. of the comic. And then the whole second half of this book is just uh, notes and breakdowns and art stuff. But I found it quite interesting. I usually do skim over that stuff. But for some reason, I thought this was sort of... Um, 
compelling enough and I found that really added to it. Um, I think this I think this is going to develop into something really interesting, you know? I think yeah, agreed. It seems it sounds like he's been working on it for a while. It sounds like he's got a really tight plot in mind and I like this. I like that there seems to be a lot of stuff happening that we haven't gotten explained yet and so Definitely. It's all going to yeah. Hopefully you, it's all going to come together. If you wanted a nice uh, sci-fi espionage comic, this is the one for you. Uh, William Gibson's Archangel. Uh, we got two other IDW number ones this week. One is called Brutal Nature. Oh, yeah. This is uh, by some creators I've never heard of before. Um, Very Italian. Yes, definitely. Uh, written by Luciano Sarancino and Ariel Olivetti on art. Um, it is about the jungle defending itself mm-hmm. uh, using a, 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 a dude who lives in the jungle and puts on different masks that allow him to take on different animal totems. And mm-hmm. become like a bear or something like that to kind of ward off. Where, where is this? Like the you reckon this is like the sixteen hundreds or something like that. Something like that, and it's all sort of, um, you know, the Native Americans against the Spanish invaders and that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, with a bit of creepy religious torture throwing yeah. thrown in. So quite good fun, I thought. So more, I, I would say if you if you found the boobs in Tank Girl a bit off, this is where it has even more off-putting boobs. Mm, very upsetting boobs, <laughs> definitely very distressing. We should have we should have a, like an upsetting boob scale. <laughs> that we can, yeah, that we one can. to tarot, <laughs> um, and also a scary like sand penis worm thing that, that that is only you can only see if you take magic mushrooms. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's a bit. Of, I I quite liked this. Yeah, I thought it was um, yeah, I thought it was quite quite good fun. Yeah, I, I guess we've kind of seen the, the, the nature versus um, invaders mm. comics a few times. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is a, a, a kind of interesting take, and, and the art is pretty gorgeous. Like yeah, you said, very European. Absolutely. Uh, this could be fun. Uh, so yeah, that's brutal nature number one, and finally an IDW comic. I'm pretty sure we can both agree was not for us. Yeah, the biggest bang. <laughs> this is by a guy called DJ Kirkbride. I mean, um, if you've got an hour to sit and read a single issue. And really get into it. I'm sure you can get a lot out of this, but it's very, very text heavy, and the art's very messy. Yeah, it looks like intentionally he, so, but I just wasn't into it. It's like he took like ten hours to write each page, and mm-hmm. then thirty minutes to draw it. <laughs> uh, it's it really, really harkens back to almost like a golden age comic, cosmic comic. Yeah, um, very word heavy, very you know explaining all of um. This actually is, is is not the first issue of this series. This is a oh. this is a sequel to the Bigger Bang, right? Um, there you go. So uh, yeah, which we've not read. We should clarify that if you're yeah. a fan of this, we are we are ignorant when it comes to that. But uh, you have, uh, I guess, two kind of cosmic protectors who are fated to never be near each other, mm. um, and uh, they're viewed as gods by some, and they don't view themselves as gods. I don't know. It kind of you know, it, it's a lot of text just kind of explaining how crazy space is and stuff. Yeah, and lots of, like, themes that have already been covered in superhero comics and ideas that have already been covered uh, with potentially more skill. Yeah. Uh, so, whatever. Not for us. Biggest not bang. Us. We will not be continuing. Apologies to DJ Kirkbride. I'm sure you're um, very lovely. So, that's our end of First Things First, which means uh, we were going to be continuing to read uh, Civil War, I guess. Because we have to. <laughs> Future Quests. Um, are you going to keep reading May? Oh, I'll Hart? read the second issue. All right. Okay, I will too. Um, tank Girl, probably not. Um, I just noticed that that series is called Two Girls, One Tank. There you go. Yeah. That's that's the level. That just sums up what that kind of comic that is. Yeah. And uh, Archangel, for sure. Absolutely. 100%. All right, let's move on to the rest of the issues that came out last week. It was another very big week with lots of uh, big titles coming mm-hmm. out. Um, we saw a couple of uh, series reach their first, uh, the end of their first arc, most notably Power Man and Iron Fist. 
by, uh, is it Kev Walker? No, it's uh, David Walker and Sanford Green on art. Um, this has been a really, really fun comic. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of complaints about Marvel's uh, general kind of... Uh, you know, they have a lot... About half their titles are, are much more humor-based than uh, than they are, like, you know, superhero action. This is certainly one of them. But mm. one of the big complaints is that Marvel writes a lot of very meta uh, humor comic books that some describe as, like, Tumblr. tumblr right, fight, yep. com- um <laughs> Dialogue and that kind of thing. And I kind of... I see it in, you know... in We're going to talk about a few of these comics later on in the episode. We talk about some of the female superhero comics. I see that sometimes. Mm. Um, this completely avoids that. This is just a pure and classic comedy action comic yeah absolutely featuring two of the most underrated characters in the marvel universe yeah totally um i thought this was like a really nice ending to this first arc i thought it was thought it was very cute Mm. i really like the art really funny i really like this version of tombstone yeah tombstone one of my favorite one of my favorite spider-man villains yeah i don't know much about the character so i don't know how silly he is normally but i just like the ongoing joke of no one being able to hear him talk and like i like anyone in comic books that whose text bubbles word bubbles are different to the other so like thanos is one deadpool's another yep uh tombstone I'm sure there are more, but like you know, they always either color it differently or they use a different font. That's it. I hate it when when Joker has like a scrawled yeah. um, font. I always find that really off-putting. But um, I really like Tomb- Tombstone. Has like a he's 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 he has the same font and everything. It's just his text bubbles are gray, yeah, as opposed to the black. I don't, I don't know. It's subtle, but I love it. Yeah, it makes me laugh. Uh, yeah, this is just a really really great series. Um, if if you want to read a fun action comedy. Caper, like I mean, it's almost like reading a Lethal Weapon comic book with superheroes totally. in it. Um, Very like buddy cop comedy style, but yeah, with superhero like action. One, one of the superheroes is way more keen than the other, um, and you know everything. Everything is kind of they don't drag things out too long. Like everything that all of the things that they kind of like brought up in the first issue gets resolved in this one. Absolutely nice, like but still quick open four issue arc, but still open for so much adventure after this. So, Absolutely, yeah, this is a, really a, this good is a, fun. a perfect. Like, you know, example of a great a great launch of a new series. Like, four really great issues. Yeah, I hope we get to see quite a bit more of this. Yeah, definitely. It's, it also has, like, the markings of a, a sadly 12-issue 12, 12 yeah, yeah, totally. Marvel. But uh, to be honest, I feel like if you're doing 12 issues at Marvel now, you're, you're like, having a marathon of a Yeah, yeah, that's really successful. Great job. Um, one <laughs> that I picked up, which you unfortunately I missed. I With my favorite, we, we, we raved about issue one of this series. Um, issue two was just as good, I have to okay, say. Okay. Goldie Vance, issue two, um, written by Hope Larson with art by Brittany Williams. It's just such a delightful comic to read. I love, I'm really so excited to see um, Hope Larson doing more monthly comics because this has just been an absolute delight. And Brittany Williams is so good. Like, there's such subtle but awesome characterization. And as you sort of. Um, they're, they're building up the town that she lives in really well and the sort of cast of characters that she deals with. And there's just such fun, like, there's this sort of sad-looking beatnik guy who I just thought, like, immediately was really excited to see more about him. And you see, like, looks like we might... Um, there's, like, this really cool girl that works in a record shop that Goldie might have a bit of a crush on and her mum works as, like, a mermaid in a, in a, in a tank. And it's just... Oh, it's such good fun. Such good fun and, like, cool sort of classic mystery yeah it's style. a it's a it's a kid detective book set in a really really fun world yeah with like the most beautiful sort of disney cartoon art absolutely it's so so great 
Um, I cannot wait to uh, finish this podcast so I can read issue two of Goldie Vance. <laughs> I reckon this could, I mean, I haven't read this issue yet, but mm. I love the first one so much and the prospect of this being, I mean, they recently announced that it's going to be an ongoing comic. Yeah, which is not cool. Not just a limited run. Um, I, this might end up being like one of my favorite comics of the year, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so too will uh, Superman American Alien, at least my favorite rendition of Superman that I've read since Grant Morrison's. Uh, what was that called again? All New all, Superman? All Stars. All Stars Superman? Yeah, mm-hmm. I was almost at All New X-Men. <laughs> but X-Men on the Brain. Uh, mm-hmm. So Superman American Alien was written by Max Landis, who is a known internet douchebag, but came good. A quite this. good writer. It's yeah. so annoying. I hate it when that happens. Uh, and uh, every issue had a different artist on it. There were some incredible, like just some of the best DC staple artists. That yeah, and also some people that like I didn't, I wasn't super aware of that now I'm, I would count myself as a fan. Um Issue to issue, it was pretty up and down, but the last few especially were awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was like, oh man, I can't wait. This is going to end on such a high note. This is going to end on such a high note. And I almost wrote it off completely. I almost was like, you know what? Fuck you, Max Landis. You tricked me. I was on your you side. tricked me into caring. You tricked me and I hate you. And this is the worst series I've ever read because Lobo shows up. Come on. Lobo's not that bad. Okay. okay tell me why Lobo is good. <laughs> I really liked. Him. Why do you like Lobo? Lobo. So Lobo is like DC's answer to both Wolverine and Deadpool in one. He's like, uh, he's like this asshole space cowboy jerk kind of apocalypse monster. Yeah, but so he's he's an antihero, right? But he has no hero part of him at all, except right? in. Um, I mean, I think the reason, the oh, no, only no, no, reason no, no. I, I, I liked him Lobo in this too. is because in um, 52, Jeff Johns turned him into oh, a... Right, no, oh, no, what no, do you no, like him you, in? You do first, I'll, I'll say what I like Well, him. in 52, um, Jeff Johns turned him... No, Jeff Johns and Grant Morrison turned him into a priest of this fish church, this, like, um, space oh, that's fish right. church. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And he awesome. was like... It was so funny, and I really loved it. I really... That was, that was enough to like. That. Okay, cool. I haven't read any solo Lobo comics, no, but that was enough to give me quite a lot of affection for the character. I, I mean, we, our favorite Justice League of America run. He was also. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, by, who's that by again? Um, Mateus and uh, what's it called? What's the one that? It, oh, Justice, Justice League, League International. International. I always forget what it's called. Justice yeah, League International. Lobo I, Lobo has an arc in that. He's part of the cast for for a few issues, mm. and I enjoyed it in that because that is a comedy comic. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it kind of played to his strengths well. But in this, he kind of plays like a threat. Basically, you know, he's one of the few beings in the DC universe can that Superman can just beat the shit out of, and he'll heal and we'll be fine, yeah. right? So I kind of get that. I understand why he is used in this. In this comic, which is, you know, as, as, as close to the version of Superman that we see now, obviously, you know, we've had seven issues of him kind of figuring out his powers mm-hmm. and his place in the world. Um, and this sees him with a real threat to the world um, who immediately Lobo kills a bunch of people mm-hmm. um, when he destroys a building. Um, and Superman wants to stop him before he destroys anything more. And they have a, you know, some, they have words. Yep. Uh, Lobo says Bastich a bunch of times, which is... That's his, that's his space swear. Yep. <laughs> Funny, always funny, guys. Um, but I mean, some unbelievably dynamic action from Jock. Like, jo- holy yeah, moly, that so page, that page is like thrilling. Yeah. Um, I, I thought, I thought it was like a good level threat. You know, this is a young Superman. We don't want to immediately be like Brainiac, go for totally. it. Totally, yeah, yeah. Whoever. Um, I thought that this was like because it was a space villain. He got to sort of have that closure about knowing where he comes from and knowing what happens to Krypton. Um, he already he already fought Parasite in this series, didn't he? Or no, was Parasite in this? I don't know. I, don't think so. I, mean, I, I, read, I recently reread all of Mark Millar's Amazing Adventures of Superman. 
um, Adventures of Superman mm, one. So and, good. And Parasite's in that heap, so maybe I'm confusing it with that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I get it. I just, I'd hate Lobo. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is a fundamentally like corny character, but I, th- I, thought it, I thought it worked quite well. And there was some really like, there were some moments in this that I was really like, ah, this is the best. Like when he goes, um, like, I'm not from Krypton, I'm from Kansas. I was like, that's yeah, Superman. I mean, like, that's what, that's what the Superman, the movie Superman is missing. And that's what definitely. people don't get about the character is he's not like some ultra powerful space jerk. Lobo is. He's from Kansas, you know? Like, he, he's is, the Boy Scout. He's raised by mom, pa Kent. He loves Lois. Jimmy's his best friend, you know? Yeah. And I thought it was, I thought it was cool that there was like, you know, it's a younger Superman and there's genuine repercussions. Like, he is in hospital at the end of the issue. But that's, because that's weird, though, because why is Superman in hospital? Well, I the way I figure it... Is he's an act? No, no, no. I figured that it was like... Because he... As the longer that he's under the Earth's yellow sun, the more powerful he gets. So he's just not at his full power yet. So he's at a point where Lobo can uh, sure. fight him. Yep. Maybe. That's how I interpreted it. But, um, yeah, I was into it. Yeah, look, it's still a great run. Great run. I think it's going to like be one of those sort of classic Superman runs that you can kind of just Definitely. throw at a person and well, be like, you'll like this. And it exists in its own world completely. Absolutely. Maybe, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm in two minds when, when someone creates their own little universe. Like, do they get to continue it if it, by doing another mini series? Like, you know. I'd rather they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that's the thing. Yeah, mm. I'd, like, I'd be down if they gave Max Landis control of something else. You know, I'd, I'm I'm now sold enough on this to be happy to see him work on most DC characters. Yeah, I think he would do a really good job on someone like Green Arrow. Absolutely. I think he'd do a great job of, of a Superman movie. He seems like he gets it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, American Alien, Superman, written by Max Landis. When it comes out in trade, a very good gift for anyone that is uh, up in the air about whether or not they like Superman. Yeah, absolutely. This will help him help him decide. Gets to the core of the character. Definitely. Um, so too Another, does. Yeah. Oh yeah. You, you do the intro. You, I'll, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> on a similar on a similar note, I just caught up with um, the Legend of Wonder Woman, which is DC's digital first Wonder Woman title, written and with art by Renee Deliz, who did um, the really really beautiful one about unicorns, which I've now forgotten. Last unicorn. I wish um, there was a book called the really really beautiful one about <laughs> unicorns. Um, but so this is this is a um, Wonder Woman story set back. Um, during World War II, so far we've seen her um, be sort of forced out of Themyscira. There was a whole bunch of stuff going on back there, which was no good. Now she's in man's world, can't get back, and has enlisted because that's just what Wonder Woman does. And this is um, so we're up to issue six, and this is the first issue where we see her putting on the well. You you almost see her in the gear at the end, um, but it's just it gets. I mean, I just feel like we're living in, like, a really wonderful time where we've gotten Grant Morrison's Wonder Woman book, and I think that was a really interesting, compelling look at the character. I think this is just as equally valid and interesting and really, really compelling look at Diana. Um, It's beautiful. It's, like, really beautiful Disney-style art. So full of action. So full of life. Um, Yeah, I can't. I can't. amazing. I can't talk about this enough. I love it so much. Because we we actually recommended this by a listener uh, who's been reading since the start. I'm waiting for the trade so I can read it all in one hit. Um, Or I might actually, you can buy them all digitally if you want. They've kind of split it up into these little chapters that you can buy on Comixology for Mm -hmm. like a dollar a hit. Amazing. Um, But this got nominated for an Eisner. 
Um, so, it was so the only deserved. DC book that got nominated for an Eisner this year. <laughs> I think so. Um, and uh, I think we, we brought up the character of who's this one again? Etta Candy. Etta Candy. I love that she's back. She's back in this comic. If you if you if you enjoyed her in uh, Grant Morrison's One Woman Earth One, she's in this one too. Is she as good as she was in Earth One? Yeah, she's hilarious. She's just like larger than life. Larger than life. She's um she's like singing for the troops while right and and a really great foil to the sometimes serious Wonder Woman I'm sure yeah yeah absolutely very like this is a very serious version of Diana um ah yeah I just want I just want people to read it because I don't want to spoil it but absolutely yep. absolutely brilliant so there's, there's one more is this another seven issue run as well or no, is it nine I think it might be nine damn it hmm. I might I may have to catch up really really quick yeah. Oh, I recommend it. It's a big, it's a big year for Wonder Woman too. Apparently, the uh, movie just finished filming. Oh God, I'm excited. Are you? I think it looks. I think it looks good. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I know, I know. So far, DC have like pooed in our shoes. Pooed in our shoes. <laughs> <laughs> but the pictures from Wonder Woman look really cool. Robin Wright is like a cool Amazon lady. I think it looks sick. I'm yep. excited. I like that it's a period piece as well. Yeah, totally. Hopefully, they take some hints out of Legend of Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to one of, we'll move from the DC universe to the Archieverse, uh, which is probably, uh, Siobhan's favorite verse. My favorite verse. Um, we'll start with Jughead number six, written by Chip, Chip Zdarsky and Erica Henderson. Um, this has been a, uh, a comic book series that just continues to win me over more and more. I was, uh, not as into number one of Jughead as I was number one of Archie when mm-hmm. it relaunched. Cause I, I, I forgot that, um, a lot of Jughead's comics are about him imagining himself as different things in the world, and Chip Zdarsky mm-hmm. makes that a cornerstone of every issue. Yep. Um, and I've come to really love that part of the comic. Uh, I mean, like the this kind of comes brings brings to to a close the first arc of this of this story, mm-hmm. first this series. Sorry, and um, it ends on a high note. It's really great. Yeah, such a good fun issue. Yeah. Um, the art by Erica Henderson is so, so great. And um, it, re- it returns a status quo that I'm sure you're happy about at the end. Yeah, totally. But- Bring back the bee. <laughs> oh, man. Have you heard? Man. So they're doing an um, Archie TV series at the CW, which is supposed to be like Twin Peaksy inspired. Really? Riverdale. Whoa. Which has just been picked up. And it sounds bonkers because the whole thing is like Jason Blossom, Cheryl Blossom's brother, mm-hmm. has just been found dead. Oh, <laughs> Betty's being like medicated by her mum. Um, Archie, I can't. Oh, Archie's uh, uh, the craziest one is Archie has just finished a illicit affair with music teacher Mrs. Grundy, which I'm assuming they're going to do like a young, sexy Mrs. Grundy. But if you're an Archie fan, that's hilarious. So that'll be an interesting version. Like years old or something. Yeah, she's yeah. like, she's just an old lady. But anyway, but this was a great issue. I think that. Um, I mean, no, no. no. We, can we talk about the Archie <laughs> series before you go back to that? <laughs> Yeah. Why not? I thought they were just going to do like a pretty straight down the middle Archie no, series. No, no, no. Whoa, it's it's, it's going to be super weird. Like it's going to be like this weird murder mystery and it's going to be all But do you think enough people are familiar up? with the Archie series, like on the concept of Archie mm. to get this mainstream TV show where everything is just insane in this Archie universe? I don't think so. I think people are going to start reading Archie expecting it to be like that because I, I assume that Archie was a part of everyone's childhood and I'm like, oh, I've got Jughead tattooed on my back and people are like, I don't know what that is. Oh, that's weird. You have a dude with a jug on his head? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm yeah. totally going to watch that. It sounds hilarious. Uh, the complete opposite of what's going on in these comics because these, yeah. these these just feel like such a wonderful update of like the you know the true traditions of an Archie comic. Absolutely, and especially you know, the Jughead stuff. Like it's so silly. Like this this whole arc's been about a new principal came to town and was trying to recruit them all as super spies, which brilliant, hilarious, yeah, really great, and nonstop antics. And of course, Jughead saves the day, mm-hmm. which he should in his own comic. And Chip Zdarsky clearly has such a such a huge amount of affection for the characters and yeah. such a like I mean I love I love all the silly meta stuff that he does like you know he has Dilton dancing halfway through and then it's like this is canon now <laughs> Dilton's yeah. greatest power is that he's an amazing dancer, dancer. like awesome that. that was great. so great see so when when Chip Zdarsky who of course is most famous for being the artist and I guess you know co-creator of Sex yeah. Criminals with Matt Fraction when he was announced as the uh, the new writer of both Jughead and Howard the Duck at similarly similarly similar times I guess mm. I was like oh my god that's such a perfect fit and I think I was certainly with Howard the Duck I was a little disappointed and then mm. not as much with Jughead I was like oh damn I thought it would be like way better than this but both of those series have won me over. Absolutely. And I just, yeah, I, I think he has such an incredible handle of, of both those comic, both those characters, but also of humor comics as well. He just, For sure. He's so good at it. He's of- just very funny. Just a very funny man. And yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see how um, Ryan North carries on because he's just been announced that after Chip Zdarsky leaves, oh, no. he is, he's writing. Yeah, Chip Zdarsky's leaving. Is, is, is leaving. Chip's last one? Or no, no, I think it's issue nine is his last okay. one. And then um, Ryan North, and I've forgotten the artist, well, Ryan but it's North someone is, not super well known. He's actually writing Squirrel Girl, yeah. which is drawn by er- Erica Henderson, who also draws Jughead. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, he's, 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 really, he's really also fine. really funny. Absolutely. Um, so, dinosaur comics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Good old Ryan North. Good old Ryan North. Um, another uh, not very funny Archie comic that came out this week. We were excited about it last week. Um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, aka the Oof. Teenage Witch. You grew up with her as uh, Melissa Joan Hart and her adorable, weird, robotic cat, Salem. <laughs> uh, this is not the very wholesome Archie comic that uh, that we're used to. This is a uh, like a pr- pretty much a straight-up horror it's comic. It's just a straight-up horror comic. I would say even more so than Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, it's- this gets way... Like, this is one that I will not read alone at home. <laughs> because I get to, like, mm, I can't sleep. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, this is just, like... It's like a pure witchcraft comic. Yeah. Um, and, and people die, and there's, like... Fantastic! Like I mean, so there's a there's gore in this comic, but it's almost like you know wonderfully painted that you. It's mm. not that's not the scary part of it. The gore isn't scary. It's just that it, although the, the, the it's the, the creeping sense of dread and that, the that whole w- way through that witch that has two skulls for eyes. Is yes, absolutely terrifying. Robert Hack is doing an amazing job on this. I think it's so like as much as I'm like ah, oh, we only have, like three issues this year or something ridiculous. Yeah, like he's of it's so worth the wait. Series definitely. Um, the, the art is so good. God, it's good. Mm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, the Archie horror imprint and the regular Archie imprint, uh, they're just doing great things. I mean, I, mean I, I as someone that, you know, obviously likes Archie enough to name my son Archie, you know, I'm, very, I'm like, oh, this is a great time to be reading Archie. But as someone like yourself who has been reading Archie mm. comics their whole life, is, is can you think of a better time to be reading Archie comics? I mean, like... Beyond just catching up on what's come before you? Yeah, no, definitely not. Like, there hasn't been a time when I've been alive that there have been such exciting Archie comics being released on a monthly basis. Like, I will probably always personally love the strips and the Dan DiCarlo kind of era more because that's just what I love. But this is just, like, who who thought, who would have thought three years ago that Archie would be producing this kind of work? You know, yeah. like, it's crazy. It's awesome. And and also, like, you know, like, yeah, we, we know Mark Wade, we know Chip Zdarsky, we know um, uh, Fiona Staples, but... 
people like Robert Hack and, and Roberto Aguaya Sacasa who, mm. who are doing the horror stuff. I wasn't familiar with them before reading these Archie yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I think Roberto Aguaya Sacasa has like. I would like to give that man a hug because he's like the chief editor on all the Archie titles and is very much like the sort of creative control behind everything. And he, since coming on, he has just done unbelievably interesting things with um, the Archie universe, which I think it was really crying out for. Um, and he he's doing great work on this issue as well. You yeah, know? No, like definitely. Great writing. And it was so fun to see they cross over into... Um, Riverdale in this issue, so we get to see a really fun version of Betty and Veronica as We're witches. Full, full blown witches, yeah. And like just fully like Betty's Marilyn, sort of, and like um, Veronica looks like Betty Page, and it's just really good fun. Real, really, yeah, super good. Um, wh- I wasn't reading Archie when uh, you know he made the presses because he died in one of his comics. Yeah. Are those comics good? No. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> weird. Really- they did this really weird thing where they s- said, like, it's. Um, what if Archie married Betty and what if Archie married Veronica? And so there were two series going at the same time, like with their two lives, but also at the same time, there was this weird storyline going across both of like multiverse travel stuff oh, with no. Dilton that was really weird. Get out of my Archie. Yeah. Comics. And then the, the issue when he died, it was like he jumps in, like it was really out of nowhere. He jumped in front of a shooter who was trying to kill Kevin Keller for being a gay senator or something. <laughs> and it was, um, the story was told in, <laughs> the issue was told in this really irritating way where it could have been read from the perspective of either he's married to Betty or Veronica. And right. they're both standing over him as he dies. And he goes, I always loved you. And you're like, just, just man up and make a decision, Archie Comics. Like, yeah. let him marry one of them and fuck it. So Archie died in both universes? Yeah, and Archie was just dead and I think they finished it. It was, so, it was so weird. Like, Cheryl Blossom had breast cancer and like, <laughs> all, this, like, all this really real world stuff that was quite sort of... Well, it sounds like that's what CW have read in the lead up to this series. Yeah, totally. Well, I think they've read more like Afterlife with Archie. Yeah, They're sure. going extra weird. Um, another Dark Horse comic that we read this week was one that we loved the first issue of uh, by Matt Kint and his wife Charlene Kint. Uh, this is Department H, Depth H, um, a uh, murder mystery set in the deep blue sea or the deep I black sea. I only just realised that it was Depth, depth. as well. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I'm way stupider than you. I need to know that too. Oh, boy. <laughs> Matt was like, um, it's Depth, Siobhan. I was like, oh, oh I get it, it now. We should not be allowed a podcast when yeah, we talk. Yeah, <laughs> um, so this is just, um, just a be- another beautiful issue. Mm. Uh, I was a little bit sort of because, I mean, the first issue definitely felt like it was setting up like a very traditional locked room mystery, and I thought this then sort of went a little bit sideways, which I was like, huh, I wasn't quite expecting that. Yeah, you're right. Actually, we we, we got a, cl- a cliffhanger, which I thought. Yeah, I was kind of expecting like a murder mystery thing where where she rules out a different suspect every issue. Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, the, except this kind of sends her out into the unexplored ocean with her brother, who may or may not be guilty of killing her father. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, it, it, it didn't do what we expected, but it still does it very, very well. Yeah, absolutely. And just really cool art, lovely book to read. On the, on the final page of the, of the comic, where it kind of, uh, kind of gives a breakdown of the, of the, the research station that they're on, uh, the, the, the depth headquarters. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I also love that, that uh, so the, her father, who, who died, who's been found dead in the first issue, 
was spending equal time, equal part, parts of his life exploring space and exploring the sea. Mm. And within this, we see him, you know, decide to give up on exploring space and solely move to exploring the sea and his daughter being more fond of space adventures than mm. sea ones, being, you know, holding that against him. It's such a weird, cool concept. Yeah, absolutely. I totally want to read the comic like set before this of their family doing space adventures as like a crew. I think that's really cool. I thought you meant you wanted to read a concurrent uh, comic that explores what if he decided to keep exploring space (laughs) and And then he dies. And Veronica. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, Depth, as we now know it. It's called Depth. Still good. Are we going to hold it to this? Depth for the rest of... We're going to just call it Depth for the rest of our time? Um, Or Depth H? I think we should have this conversation every single time that an issue comes out. very not annoying. Yeah. Love it. Uh, one of the best comics going out right now. Oh, we also got the second issue of Black Road by... Um, uh, uh, whoa, I thought this was by... I thought it was Brian Wood as well, but he must just be like overseeing. So it's Gary Brown. What the hell? With art another, by Dave another McKay. Thing I did not notice until I just saw it. Then. Oh, no, it- hang on. Sorry, I'm sorry. Story, Brian Wood, art and cover, Gary Brown. Oh, cool. He's just done the cool thing of kind of swapping the names around on the, on the front cover so it looks like he didn't write it. Um... Confusing. Brian Wood is having a very good period of writing he at is. the moment. Um, I was ready to give up all of his uh, writing stuff a while ago mm. when he was uh, outed as a dick. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but I guess he's kind of made amends for that and is also releasing very good comics at the same time. So here we are. Yep. Uh, Black Road is a um, an- another mystery comic, but this one is set during the time of the Crusades. Did I do this last time and potentially yeah. get that wrong? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just Vikings. I don't know what time period that is. I feel like it doesn't necessarily cross over with the Crusades, but just uh, cool Viking stuff. And yeah, and, you know, you kind of get the introduction of different religions to certain areas of Europe. And uh, yeah, it's really great. It's really dark, but there's a, you know, there's a, there's this, there's this lovely amount of hope to the comic, mm. even though it's, you know, quite a, you know, gross comic about death and, and most, mostly about death. But yeah, it's, it's just a really enjoyable comic to read. Absolutely. And I'm excited to see where it goes. And I always love the like, older man teams up with the young girl and sort of Wolverine Jubilee kind of... And there's no romantic connection between them at all. Absolutely. Well, they better fucking not be. They better not be because she yeah. looks like she's 12. Um, but yeah, I always enjoy that sort of interaction. I always think that works quite well. I love um, the more recent Hawkeye series by Matt Fraction. Mm-hmm. And, but my biggest fear through reading that was that... Hawkeye and Hawkeye were going to hook up. I'm so glad that they've really stuck to the platonic relationship because I think that would be weird beyond all belief. Yeah, I agree. In the last, um, in the last issue of the Jeff Lemire run, which I quite enjoyed, but it wasn't as good as the Matt Fraction run. Um, there's like this big moment where he's like, "You're my best friend, Katie," and I was like, "Ah, well, probably not true, but also, few. Thank goodness, <laughs> thank goodness, you're not going to make him make out because that'd be weird." Yeah. Uh, so Black Road, um, a, a dark but very enjoyable comic. Yeah, so if you far. like Northlanders, yeah, definitely. Brian Wood's other. Viking series probably like this one too and uh, very weird this is out the only Image comic book we're talking about this week I know what's going what's on going Image on? I'm used to only reading your comics and no <laughs> one else's now I'm reading way too much of everyone else's and none of yours <laughs> we read bizarre. more IDW comics this week than Image comics which is very weird that is a bizarre universe mm. Um, let's move to the uh, my favourite segment of every issue of every episode of Serious Issues, uh, the Marvel Glut, <laughs> where we try and skim through all the Marvel comics we've been reading. Uh, of course, this will be balanced. Uh, by DC Comics come a couple of weeks from now when they mm-hmm. start doing Rebirth because we're going to read every single issue of Rebirth that comes Yay. out. All the, all, the, all, the renew, all the brand new comics. Uh, let's uh, start with Spider-Woman number seven. This is the uh, penultimate. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Issue of the, what's it called? Spider Women? Yeah, Spider Women event. Crossover event. Um, this one written by uh, Dennis Hopeless and uh, art by Joel Jones, who is the best. Mm. Uh, this is easily the best chapter of this event for me so far. Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed... This was such a fun issue. But I have... I, I don't... I'd have to read it again to decide that. Yeah, in this uh, issue, uh, Jessica Drew finally gets home to her baby and her porcupine babysitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it porcupine? That's who he was? He was a porcupine. I think so. Before, yeah. Um, this is basically a useless, a useless supervillain that um, Spider Woman trained to be a slightly not useless hero, but a far more competent babysitter yeah. for when she goes into de- dimensional traveling for an accidentally way too long amount of time. Mm. Uh, so she returns uh, to her home and kid and finds that the alternate version of her, who is a boy um, and a bad guy, a bad guy, um, is sitting on her couch holding her baby, and um, you kind of get this. You know, she wants to take him down, but also she doesn't want to harm her baby in doing so. And he kind of understands that. And yeah. I love that, that, that relationship that they have. Absolutely. I thought that was really interesting because in, in the previous issues, Jessica had gone to his home and to his wife who didn't know that he was a villain where his children were. And so he felt very threatened. And so then he comes over and threatens her children. And it's kind of this sort of weird mutual understanding and semi-respect, even though they're on opposing sides. Yeah. It's such um, a fun fight, like such a funny, like, don't wake up the baby. <laughs> yeah, great. Really great stuff. Even though they do take out, well, she takes out a wall of her own house yeah. while fighting. Um, we end this issue finding out that uh, Cindy, aka Silk, her, her alternate version, has stolen a bunch of technology from our world, or so from the 616 universe, and uh, has taken it to her universe um, and plans to uh, take over the world with it. So what's going to happen, guys? Probably she's just going to take over the world and that'll be that, right? Seems like it. That's how these things work. I think so. We'll be talking about Spider-Woman and Silk and Spider-Gwen, who are all parts of this crossover, um, in the final segment of this show, where we talk about all of the uh, Marvel female superheroes and how great mm-hmm. they are. Yeah. Um, but first, to a gross male superhero, Silver Surfer. <laughs> oh, is he male? Blech. I guess he kind of is. Yeah. Silver Surfer. Uh, this is uh, issue four by um, Dan-, Dan Slott and Mike Alrod with Laura Alrod as well. Um, Alrod? Alrod? Alrod. Alrod. That's how I'd say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, this is um. So basically, Silver Surfer kind of died in in, in issue three. But, oh yeah, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just pointing this out again. I, I did last time as well, but just again. I mean, I love Michael Orred so much as an artist, Same. and it's so great seeing him draw as many Marvel characters as possible. And you mm. definitely get you get like kind of this weird ensemble of... I, I feel like he was just like, pick a bunch of Marvel characters that you like, Mike, mm. and just draw them as, as your your Avengers team. Yeah, it's got all of his favourites. Lockjaw, <laughs> The Thing, She-Hulk. Miss Marvel, um, Squirrel Girl. Vision. Daredevil's there. Nice. Uh, these guys are very rarely seen together, but it made me really go, I would love to see Michael Allred drawing an Avengers book. Totally. And there are so many... Like, I don't like really any of the artists doing the Avengers books at the moment, so I would love to see... That's a good point. Mike Allred just just doing like this, you know, he does. He looks it looks like pop art, and mm. Avengers are essentially like a pop art team, you know. Yeah, what I mean? totally. Um, or X Men, I feel like he'd do it great. Or in humans, well, he kind of did he- X Men already because he did X Force and oh uh, yeah, true. And Ecstatics. Um, we, you know, basically him just drawing a bunch of of, of, of mutants, Weird mutants, which who who actually go up against the Avengers at the end of uh, their run. Mm. So if you want to see Michael Allred draw a bunch of Avengers, that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, I, I really like this uh, silver silver surfer tale it's kind of a great one where you can kind of just just pick a random issue and yeah. read it and it's enjoyable it's very like um i mean i know dan slot's been very i'm sure i've said this before like it's very doctor who sort mm. of influenced it's kind of them going around and doing adventure of the week and he's got a quirky sidekick which i was sort of like not for me but i definitely see the appeal yep um, and that got uh, one of those issues got nominated for an eisner as well so yeah well i mean man, clearly for, need to for, reevaluate i i definitely enjoy it more than slot spider-man stuff Really? I thought he was so consistently good for so long on Spider-Man. Yeah, you know? I kind of am a bit sick of it, though. I kind of I like that he's doing something besides just Spider-Man. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's not better. Is he I just, even writing Spider-Man? Yeah, still is. Yeah, huh. yeah. He's doing the Peter Parker stuff right, while right. Bendis does the uh, Miles Morales stuff. Don't worry, I'm not reading either. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, oh, and speaking of ecstatics, um, uh, Michael Allred draws Dupe on the front cover Yay. of this. The best mutant of all time. Um, there's also a cute little Ant-Man hidden in there riding a flying ant. Nice. Pretty fun stuff. Uh, speaking of Ant-Man, uh, issue eight of uh, Astonishing Ant-Man uh, continues his um, kind of great exploration into the world of uh, apps for supervillains. Oh, yeah. And um, I just, I, I, I really love that, ang- that that take on it. Nick Spencer obviously has a really great grasp of, of technology in, in mm. our world, and he's very capable of putting it into the Marvel Universe as well. That's all it is to be said. I mean, we've kind of talk, spoke about Ant-Man in the past. It's still really, really, really great yeah. and fun. And, you know, it's not groundbreaking stuff. But if you love super, superior foes of Spider-Man, because there were like, you know, like C-list uh, Spider-Man villains, you're getting like, you know, like, I don't know, G-list uh, yeah. <laughs> Marvel villains in this one. Uh, just super villains that I've never heard of before um, who have been assembled using this app by Ant-Man. Um, and they kind of fight and... Uh, what annoys me is that these like really really low level super supervillains team up and they're kind of able to almost take down Ant Man, but all is saved by the end. Don't worry. Uh, this is a very very fun issue, super funny, and um, uh, I know we've spoken about uh, Nick Spencer and Stephen Lieber writing comics really well together, and that you get those great little visual jokes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just Steve Lieber who is capable of doing those. Um, you get a lot of great jokes uh, in this issue, drawn by Brett Schoonover, who's the guest artist on this art issue. Yeah. So yeah. It's great stuff. Really good fun. Great comedy, comic, action. Nice. Love it. Love that stuff. Mm. Karnak. Um, it's kind of weird having Karnak come out on a regular schedule now. We've had like two week, 
two issues in two weeks. Well, I think. I think it was because we had the first issue and then like three months and yeah. then the second issue. And then since then, it's been current. So. Yeah, been semi-regular. And then I think we had a double ship. So now I'm just massively confused. Yeah. Um, so this is issue four. I'm not sure if this is a four-part series. Um, Does it wrap up? Kind of. I was trying to think. Like, it kind of. No, no, no. It definitely is. Uh, it definitely shows. Like, th- th- there's a lot more to do. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah. There is. A, there is. A oh, yeah. True. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was not as. This is the least fun issue. This is of the Karnak least so fun far. issue of Connick for sure. Um, it's still quite a good comic, but it's fairly dry. Um. I didn't think. Yeah. I just didn't think this was as good as anything else. I can't really put my finger on why because I've really been enjoying Connick as a series, and the art's still really cool and. Um, although the action scenes are a little bit uh, difficult to read. Because the, yeah, the, the the villain he's fighting is unlike any other villain I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like an eye in the sky which has like creepy pale men, women on, yeah. on, on umbilical on, on, on long, tubes. Yeah, and it's controlled by an inhuman. Uh, yeah, I, like, I, it, it wasn't the strongest what I thought would be finished to the story when I realised, like, oh no, they're wrapping it up like this, but... Mm. The fact that they said to be continued on that last yeah. page show, gives hope that maybe they're going to make this uh, story kind of also, make more sense. The the villain in the series is wearing a t shirt which has um, Professor X's face on it and says "Charlie, don't surf." I definitely want that. I don't get what that means. Me neither. But oh, I want cause, one because his name is all right, Charles Xavier, and he can't surf because he's a cripple. I get I, it. I assume hilarious on every level. <laughs> Well done, Warren Ellis. <laughs> um, I also read issue nine of Uncanny Avengers. Um, I thought I would give this book a chance after the end of Standoff. Oh, that's a very like '90s cover. Yeah, um, I have not enjoyed the regular artists on this uh, this team. Um, I don't mind Jerry Conway's writing, but it was written by a uh, drawn by a guy called is it Ryan Stegman? Oh yeah, did, I like yeah. Ryan Stegman. No, I, I wasn't you don't like I wasn't super keen on him on this book. I don't know why, but I I much I really like even though this art the artist that. Um, who's kind of taken over now. I'm not sure if it's a guest artist, but uh, maybe it is. Um, let me just try and find the page where it says his name on it. Sometimes they put it at the end. Is it, don't you love it when you do that while you're hosting a podcast? And you've got, <laughs> here it is. <laughs> Midway um, through the comic. Pepe, Pepe Larraz. Oh, yeah, it's, it a bit, it's a bit um, Marvel by numbers oh, yeah. uh, kind of thing, but it's, it's good. It's good. Competent hmm. art. Um, <laughs> and much more in, in, in kind of theme with what I expect from an Avengers comic. So maybe I'm just lame and I, and I don't want my comics to look different when it comes to Avengers stuff. But uh, in this, we see the return of Hank Pym, who I had forgotten had died uh, in that weird one, that, that hardcover book that they put out last year called Rage of Ultron that um, Jonathan Hickman wrote. Oh, wow. I don't he remember that at stuff. all. Uh, so he died. Huh. <laughs> and uh, But now he's back. So don't worry about it. You didn't even know he was gone and now he isn't. <laughs> Yay. And, uh, comics. Yeah. I mean... I, I guess I'm going to read Uncanny Avengers now because I have been kind of missing a, a kind of Regular Avengers, Avengers book, book that I kind of like, and I definitely like this more than all new, all different Avengers. And uh, yeah, Secret Avengers doesn't really feel like an Avengers book too. So mm. um, is it Secret or New Avengers? Sorry, Se- New Avengers doesn't feel like an Avengers book to me really either. So which one's New Avengers? That's the one with like um, uh, oh, Sunspot and, and yeah, like, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Squirrel Girls on it for some reason. I quite yeah. like it, but it's a bit. It's not really an Avengers book. This one you've got, you know, you've got Deadpool. Steve Rogers, Quicksilver, um, Doctor Rogue. Voodoo, Looks like Rogue. Yeah, I feel like Rogue is the leader of the team now. That's Cap, cool. Cap's not really in this issue much. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and I guess now Hank Pym is in it. And uh, he Hank Pym is fused with Ultron. Oh, so he's, so he's he like has, Robo Pym? Yeah. In, in fact, he's like only half of his body and then the rest of it is Ultron. But oh, he, cool. But he, he finds... Uh, yeah, the, I yeah. hope that he spends the whole time being like... 90s Cyclops, like, oh, am I a man? Oh, a machine. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's actually really enjoyable. A, a kind of fun take on Pym 
who's a bit more badass. I guess he's a bit more boisterous and crazy because he's got Ultron inside him. Yeah, right. Um, and he he's f- gonna to beat up where, everyone's wives. Well, he, oh boy. <laughs> uh, he finds um, he finds the statue they erected when he died, and then destroys it because he's he's living now. But it's oh, kind right. of like this moment, like, oh shit, what's going on? He's a bit bit erratic. Mm, yeah, interesting. Could be fun. Um, I checked out All New Wolverine, issue eight, which I really like. This is sort of, I mean, everyone was calling it like Orphan Black Wolverine because it was sort of like um, Wolverine is currently X-23, Laura, whatever her name is. Um, Who was the clone of, of Wolverine once upon a time. Yep. And then she found a whole bunch of other clones of her, of all sort of varying ages and abilities. Um, so she's taken one of them, a young girl called Gabby under her wing um and it's just really just a really fun fun series I'm really enjoying it great art it's by um Australia's very own Tom Taylor and art by Marcio Takara oh see I forgot that Tom Taylor's Australian Tom Taylor is a great great writer as well he's yeah. got lots of amazing series and uh, last yeah, year last week last Alexi week. Toliopoulos wrote to us and said um uh who are the who were some great Australian creators and Tom Taylor is definitely one of them um, yeah absolutely um, so this series is going to have, it looks like the current Wolverine is going to um, team up with Old Man Logan in the next issue. It's just good fun. Good fun Wolverine comics. Yeah, cool. Definitely check it out. Um, moving away from Marvel quickly, I read the uh, most recent Dark Horse Presents because it had a short story by Jeff Lemire at the, at the top of it. Uh, it's a very strange story about witches living on Mars where uh, all magic has disappeared forever or has it. But um, Cool. Yeah, I mean... It's good. Just, I mean, Jeff Lemire is written, writing a shit ton of comics at the moment, but he's not drawing them. And uh, Yeah, if you love him as an artist, which, which I, I definitely do. I really love his art. So it's great to see him drawing his own creations. Um, and this is a really, really fun, crazy kind of world that he's created. Mm. Well, Mars. He didn't create Mars, but <laughs> this this version of Mars. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, the only thing, Dark Horse Presents is an anthology book. So all the other stories were pretty much uh, like, you know, chapter four or chapter six of book, stories that I haven't read yet. Right, right, right. But there's some cute uh, front and back cover art by Jeff Darrow. Ah, oh, lovely. I love Jeff Darrow. He's the best. Um, so, yeah, worth picking up if you love Jeff Lemire and Jeff Darrow. Jeff's just a big, just a Jeff in general fan. I'm a Jeff man. Uh, pick it up. Uh, finally, I read issue two of Micronauts, which we talked about a while ago, the IDW book, uh, bringing back a uh, failed toy land from the late 70s, early 80s. Um, I am going to just bring this up because I'm not going to read this anymore. Yeah, like, neither. This book is not for I me. I tried. It's, well, kid, so, the, the Micronauts, the whole thing is they live in the micro verse or whatever micro mm, something like that but which is tiny right the shit is, everything is tiny so on the front cover of all these comics you have like a bunch of like space dudes on the front of like you know hanging mm. out in our world where everything is much bigger than them i want to read that comic yeah, i want to yeah, read like a is- bunch of space dudes stranded on earth where they're really little yeah true but instead we just get like this regular space comic where everything is regular size lame yeah and uh yeah it's pretty boring um, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand why they would lie to me every week with the with, on the cover art. Yeah, that is that is a dick move, IDW. I hate it when the cover art teases something that you're like, "Whoa, that's going to be awesome," and then the comic inside has nothing to do with it. About seventy five percent of comics do this, yeah. so we can't be too mad. Um, yeah, I I tried to give <laughs> I tried to give that a read because I was so like, "Yeah, no, well, that I, was good." Yeah, I, I know. I genuinely you, you're the reason I read the issue too because you were like, "No, we're going to keep reading this." I was like, "All oh, right," oh, fine. and then you didn't read yeah, the issue I know. too. I genuinely. Does anyone want to be a podcast host with me? <laughs> I think it's. I think it's. I think. It, I think it's probably like quite a good comic book if you have an invested interest in those characters in the first place in that universe. But for me, I was just like, oh no, I'm, I'm done. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. One I thing. also. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say. I also read 
the um, trade of Unfollow, which is the Vertigo series that you have been um, yeah, well, thank, raving thank you, about. Thank you so much, one, for reading this, and mm. two, for saving me from a very bad segue that I've just oh, nice. to do. So, oh, well nice. done on do, both, both parts. <laughs> um, and, I mean, so the whole concept of this is, like, there's 140 characters, and they all have an equal share in some dead rich guy's um, will. And when, ev- like, if a person dies of the 140, then it gets split Equally again with between whoever's left, yeah, um, and all the all the all the people that have been picked are no, weird, different figures throughout the, every, throughout the world who are yeah. very very, you know, very unique. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like, I was the the concept sort of was a bit like cringeworthy for me. Totally. Like just the, the whole social media definitely. aspect is a little bit like eye rolly, and it also feels a little bit like I don't think the series needed that hook. You know what I mean? Like, I think that it works extremely well and you could do that without it having been like 140 characters like Twitter, get it? You know, like you could have found another way to do that that I think would have been better. But having said that, I really enjoyed this. I think it's really good. It's one of like, it feels like a classic Vertigo series, right? It really does. Or like a modern classic. Like it, it, it feels like a spiritual successor to Why the Last Man, which they're definitely pushing in their, um, in their promo of this now. It's really sad to talk about Vertigo at the moment because uh, um, DC fired the editor who, who's responsible for books like this and quite unceremoniously as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's a, I know she's a good friend of, uh, um, who's the head honcho? Uh, uh, Axel Alonso at, at Marvel. Oh, really? Uh, I see them talking on Twitter a lot. So hopefully he'll just give her a job at Marvel and she can do something great there. Yeah, Maybe she can take awesome. over Icon. And yeah, make, sick. Like, Icon do something good again. with Icon. Um, it is sad. Um, yeah, this and Sheriff of Babylon are like, like two of the two of the best books I've read this year, and like the ones like the always the first books that I read, yeah. Um, when when they come out, and unfortunately they both come out the same week, so I'm always like, ah, which one first? <laughs> um, um, another another Vertigo book which I forgot to talk about was um, also Clean Room, which is Gail Simone's series. Yeah, with I, I, has um, a trade of this come out yet? I, 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 uh, I, I want to love Gail Simone have. again. I don't know why I, I fell know, out right? of love with her writing because Batgirl sucked. Right. Okay. Um, but this will make you fall in love with it again. This is like. I feel like this is a story that Gail Simone wanted to tell for ages because she's like clearly a bit sort of um, like, I mean, going off her Secret Six work, she clearly has a bit of a love for the kind of weird, uh, macabre sort of. Definitely. And weird. she writes it so well. She writes it so well. And so this is um, incredibly compelling. And we're now starting to get some Jesus. really scary, creepy. Um, that was just the last page that I opened up, which is really good. I can't think of who the artist's name is. John Davis Hunt is doing an incredible job. Um, but yeah, really, really cool sort of, you think it's going to be about cults and things and then it's about sort of aliens and magic and weirdness and it's incredibly good. I really highly recommend um, Clean Room. Okay, cool. All right, I'll have to pick it up as soon as the first trade comes out and we'll let you know when that comes out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, cool, so that's all the uh, comics that we read this week. Ooh. We're going to take a quick break and uh, when we come back, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm just going to go pee. Yes, like, full, full disclosure, that's what we're going to do. Um, and then we're going to talk about female <laughs> superheroes at Marvel. Uh, you're listening to Serious Issues. And we are back. And oh boy, does oh, it feel good. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, so Siobhan started something very cool with King's Comics in the uh, last week. 
Yeah, so we've started, um, like many comic book stores, uh, we were very much inspired by our friends down at All Star Comics in Melbourne who have um, a women's group that meets once a month. So we've started our group called Queens of Kings, which I thought was quite a cute name. Um, so we're really we're really excited about it. I think it's going to be really good fun. It's going to be a monthly meetup. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be meeting on Sundays, um, and there'll be a specific book that we... Um, Pick? Yeah, pick for every month. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people who RSVP to the event will get a special discount off the book. I'm very excited about our first one. I don't know if I should keep it a secret what we're doing, but it's a classic Vertigo title with a distinctly feminist edge that may or may not be my favorite comic book of all time. So Ooh. I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> um, maybe can you maybe just tell them what it is here and then you can like say, hey, better listen to Serious Issues. Oh, yeah, to find good out. idea. It's Why the Last Man. Perfect. We're going to have, and what's really cool is we're going to have 50% off the first, um, the first trade for people who are coming along to the event. So that's going to be really good Oh, that's good so fun. great. Yeah. Um, um, so just to put in perspective, like why is it important for a group like this to exist? Yeah, I mean, I think there's like, we had a couple of people sort of like, oh, why are you doing this? Like, isn't that those exclusionary to men? Just, just go jump in the ocean yeah, and, and stay there for a while. Um, but I mean, like I started, I started reading comic books um, when I, like seriously, when I was about 14, I started working at King's when I was 17, and it's the only comic book store that I've ever really felt um, completely comfortable in, you know, like, I don't want to be rude to anyone else. Oh, no, I mean, we, we, that said, like, all-star comics in, in Melbourne. Absolutely. Is, so, oh, yeah, no, sorry. Fantastic all-star example comics of, is amazing. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, you know, even even for me as a dude, like, I'll be uncomfortable in, co- in most comic book stores. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so, you know, like, especially as a 14-year-old girl, I went into a certain comic book store, which may or may not be open anymore. Um, it's still open. Oh, man. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> Keep wishing. Um, and I, someone said something very, one of the staff said something very inappropriate to me, and I just went, you know what, I'm never coming back here again. Um, and I loved, I loved, um, you know, the first time I came into King's, there were women behind the counter, and we could chat, and no one judged me. And when I said, ah, oh, you know, what a, I really like Teen Titans, what else would you recommend? People didn't laugh at me or tell me that I wasn't, you know, enough of a nerd. Um, and that's something that I'm really proud of Kings for. I'm really proud to work for Kings because of that. Yeah, and I, I mean, think it's- there is that really awful stereotype where, you know, there's a dude who, who reads comics mm. and looks down at his nose at anyone who also reads comics in a hope for them to prove that they are, you know, at the same comic book read- reading yeah. level as they are, especially... Like I feel like a lot of guys will immediately be like, oh, you're a girl, you don't read the yeah. same comics I like, you know, you don't know as much about comics as I do. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, yeah. <laughs> Which I'm- is bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we still like it, the. The industry as a whole is definitely getting better and there's less and less of that every year, which is really cool to see. But we just wanted to do something a little bit extra. Um, also, we we understand that the female audience is very big. You know, like we are fully aware as a business. Um, we get way more female customers than we used to five years ago. The number of standing orders that we have um, uh, that have been set up by women is like increasing all the time. And that's just something that we really want to encourage because we want your money too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you made it sound really bad all of a sudden. <laughs> but to any any male listeners that kind of are, are finding out about this group and feeling excluded, mm. um, it's not like, I mean, kings are not, you know, you could always start up your own Absolutely, absolutely. For, um, for men. I don't think you need to because I think it's a lot easier for, for, for men to find other men that also read comic books. Yeah. But, you know, this isn't, this group doesn't exist to exclude dudes. It no. exists to create more women 
Yeah, it's that, just, that are comfortable talking about comic books. Absolutely. That'll help dudes like us that love talking about comic books with everyone absolutely. to talk about it with more people. Exactly. It's a, a very why positive you, thing. Why do you want less girls? What's going on? We make <laughs> things more fun. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to celebrate this new group, which is called Queens of Kings, and you can find it at Facebook.com. Facebook.com slash Queens of Kings Comics. Um, Chuck us a like. We're going to celebrate by... Um, we, we kind of we spoke about it in the past, but at the moment, Marvel are putting out more female superhero books than ever before. Yeah. Um, most of them with female creative teams as well. And uh, I, I'm I'm reading all but like four of them. Yeah, I'm reading all but three, I just realized. And that, that wasn't me making this like decision like, I will read all the female comic books. Mm. It's just they're, they're really good. Really good. And I feel like Marvel have done it in this quite cool way like i mean there's still, there is still definitely an imbalance you know um like it's only 16 titles over the entire range of i don't know how many but um it's still really cool and quite impressive and they've done it without a lot of fanfare they've just put good creative teams on cool characters and just let the work speak for itself which i think is really cool definitely and like you know the flip of that i mean it sucks to be compared marvel to dc all the time but mm. of all of the rebirth titles that we know exist right now i think there's well, the supergirl wonder woman and batgirl there's also a Batgirl and Birds of Prey book, but yeah, like it's not, there's, there will definitely be at least one Harley Quinn book. But of course, it yeah, and like and ten, 10 Harley Quinn books, but yeah. <laughs> 10 books about Harley Quinn do not amount to the amount of uh, uh, superhero books that Marvel putting out featuring yeah. females. So um, we thought we'd do a spotlight on our favourites. Mm-hmm. Um, we've, well, I mean, we've spoken about most of them on the show so far, but I think we, it would be fun to really point out, like, you know, if you're not, if you would like to increase the amount of, uh, of, of female superhero books that you're reading at the moment, this is a great place to start. Mm. And um, we, we'll, we can keep checking in on, on different publishers yeah, and, and, their, and their female superhero output because it is, it is, it would be great for there to be as many as there are dude superhero yeah. comics. I mean, the readership now worldwide is fairly evenly split, so it's very cool to see that reflected back and to see... Um, you know, I mean, I just love, like, at Free Comic Book Day this year, we had so many little girls dressed up in superhero costumes. And it's just, that just makes my heart swell to yeah. sizes. I love Super it. great. The uh, other thing that I think is really cool is that they haven't done, like, Ms. Wolverine or, like, <laughs> Lady Hawkeye, you know? Like, or Lady just Thor. Or, Wolverine yeah. is Wolverine and Thor is Thor and Hawkeye is Hawkeye. For the time being. Cool. Like, I mean, you know. Things will change. You, you're not going to lose these male versions of superheroes forever. Of no. course, you know, given the nature of comics, things things change and things return the way they were every couple cycles. Absolutely. So just hold your breath until then if you are angry about it. <laughs> and before too long, everything will be the same again. Um, so let's start with uh, some of our favorite Marvel female superhero books that are coming out right now. Uh, we've already spoken about All New Wolverine, mm-hmm. um, written by Tom Taylor, um, featuring Laura X23 mm-hmm. as Wolverine. Um, I know they just started a brand new um, story arc, mm-hmm. which you just read the first issue of. Yeah. I haven't read any of this run. Can I just pick it up? Um, it's a little bit like there's a little bit of sort of stuff from the previous run that's kind of might be a little bit confusing. Like, why does she have a small version of herself that hangs around with I'm her? I'm sure they kind of put that in the yeah, recap but they, page. They Marvel definitely, are very good at recap pages. Yeah, thank goodness for the recap page. Um, but yeah, I think that you could easily pick that up and jump on, and I think it's a good time to be reading it. I just love... I, I think that she's a compelling... Um, character. Definitely. I think that they've done really cool things with her and Marvel over the last couple of years, and this feels very like earned as a sort of development for her. So sure. I think it's very cool. All right, so that is uh, the not Lady Wolverine, but it's a Lady Wolverine. All new Wolverine. <laughs> um, let's move on to the not Lady Thor, but it's a Lady Thor. Um, <laughs> Mighty Thor by Jason Aaron and uh, art by Russell Dorderman. Um, now, this is, uh, I mean, can we do a little spoiler on this one? Uh, Thor yeah. was revealed. Thor was not made not worthy mm-hmm. after the events of re- original sin, um, and a new Thor w- uh, wielded the hammer, and that Thor was a lady 
And Crazy. Um, it was revealed after the first uh, first kind of edition of, mm-hmm. of, of, of the run that, that were, the Thor was none other than... Jane Foster, who is the uh, on again, off again love of uh, of Thor from uh, the the you know the, from the very beginning of Thor comics, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she is uh, dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. But every time she, she, every, she, whenever she's Thor, she's unstoppable. But as soon as she reverts back to Jane Foster, she's dying even more because uh, when she becomes Thor, it cancels out all the chemotherapy that she's having. It's very Why tragic. Why would it cancel out the chemo but not the cancer? Who knows? Comics. Who knows? Just does. It, it's a, it's a you know it's a very interesting take on 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 thor and that you know the very tragic kind of Absolutely. way to look at it um it's so good it's, it's so good so good and and you know it's meta in the way that some of the villains will spout some of the gross lines <laughs> that internet commenters have said after finding out that thor is a girl now mm-hmm. um but it's just like I, I i in um we did a my other podcast hey fam siobhan and i did a best comics of 2015 mm. and i said it was my favorite marvel comic of 2015 and it's still I, I always get extremely excited when a brand new issue of it comes out uh, this week there's a new one coming out even yeah um and uh you know that it's still a classic thor comic yeah, except that's thor is just a girl and exactly that's the thing that's the best uh, like the the best thing about that series is that it feels like a classic thor action adventure story and you still get you still get loads of stuff about Odin's son um throughout the comic like the last issue i think was the one that was mostly an Odin's son yeah story um and it flows really nicely through from jason aaron's previous work um on thor and i think it's just i think it's a really great comic yeah i, I mean it's insane to me that like what i think will be considered as you know one of the top three runs of thor and thor has had many creators mm. working on it in the past um is going to be the run that that we're reading right now, where Thor becomes not not worthy and mm. is replaced so by good. you know for for I, mean, I think he's now been writing um, Jane as Thor longer than he's been writing Thor as Thor, which is yeah seems about right. Pretty cool, pretty interesting. And the first, um, I mean, not the first hardcover of that, but a relaunched first hardcover okay. um, came out last week. It's a good place to jump on. Okay, great. It's better to go back to the like start of Jason Aaron's run, but if you just want to jump right in, that one came out last week and it's pretty good. Yeah, a really, really good comic. Um, what's your favourite of all of these? Oh, that's really tough. Um, I think it might have to be Black Widow. I am so obsessed with that series at the moment. We've only... Three issues in yep. issue four's next week, I believe. Mark Wade and Chris Sumney, who previously had done amazing work on Daredevil and reinventing Daredevil, all of that hard work has gone to nothing though because <laughs> he's now this boring, angry version of Daredevil. But it's TV still show. cool; you can still read it. I've got three three episodes left of the Daredevil season two on oh, yeah. uh, on Netflix. I'm enjoying it, but one thing that really, really pisses me off is how many times Daredevil has to punch a dude in the face for him to pass out. Yeah, I know. I just find it really just like I don't know. Have you have you watched second season yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I just like his fighting style compared to like I love so much. I love Wilson Fisk, Kingpin's fighting yeah. style in it. How it just he uses his whole body and he yeah. he has this amazing display of power. And I get that Daredevil is a smaller character, ninja style. But but he, yeah, he's like he really just belts people in the head like ten times. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> we're talking about plus Black he is Widow. like the least interesting character on his own show, except yeah. for maybe Foggy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor old Foggy. Poor old Foggy. He sucks. Um, <laughs> Black Widow. Black Widow is so good. That series is so good. We're getting like exactly the kind of weird Russian spy thriller that I think everyone's wanted from Black Widow in a really long time. Definitely. And I think that Chris Amney is doing some of like the, like, I feel like I say this every single time an issue of his comes out, but some of the best work of his career. Like really the um, the sort of 
visual world that he's developed for Black Widow and her history and stuff, I think is is really exciting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love that, like that Chris Sumney and Mike Mike White are credited as storytellers yeah. on on this because you can tell they absolutely write every 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 moment of that comic together. Absolutely, with the art and and, and writing in mind. And uh, you know we're only three, only three issues in, and for you to say that's your favorite, that's pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, I or it love shows that it. you uh, you love the beginning of a series and don't <laughs> stick around for the ending. What? We'll find out in future episodes, <laughs> folks. <laughs> so those are two comics, um, or three comics if you include all new Wolverine that are, that are feature super female superheroes that are written by a male creative team, mm. which is great, which is fine. But there also uh, are a lot of uh, comics that uh, have female female creators mm-hmm. working on them, and. Uh, um, we've spoken about them in the past. Ones like um, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, of course, uh, A Force, um, Ms. Marvel, uh, Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, um, mm-hmm. which also which uh, we spoke about Brittany Williams' art earlier on. She also does the art on um, uh, what's it called again? Patsy uh, Walker, Goldie Vance. Oh yeah, Goldie Vance. Goldie Vance. She does a walk on Patsy Walker and Hell- Hellcat. Um, S- Silk is no, no. No, I no. think that's a male creator. But you've got Erica Henderson, Erica Henderson working on Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I mean, there are more. I'm definitely missing some. But, mm. you know, it, it is really great to see. I mean, of that, I, um, I'm i really excited about Mockingbird comic, the Mockingbird yeah. comic, which I thought Who I would, would never thought... say in my life. Um, Absolutely. I could not care less about Mockingbird, but that is a good. That has been a good two issues so far. Yeah. And, um, and the Captain Marvel comic, I think, has potential, um, written by two writers who have pre- previously written for... Um, uh, the Agent Carter TV yeah. show. Um, they definitely have a good grasp of who Carol is. I just think that, that this this first story has just gone on for like they've dragged it across way too many issues. So yeah, I'm hoping it. this first story will come, will be ended ended by the end of the next issue, and we can move on to more adventures that kind of show them doing more exciting things with the character. Mm. One that I've been reading, which I don't think I've actually mentioned on the podcast um, before, is Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Yeah, which is quite a sort of I think. It, I mean, only because I don't see other people talking about it. I think it's quite underrated. It's this really fun, um, like, I mean, uh, Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur are a kind of classic Jack Kirby creation, sort of a half monkey, um, and his best friend who's a giant red um, T-Rex, and they sort of had sort of, you know, set in the past um, adventures and whatever. Um, but the... Sorry, <laughs> got distracted. Um, but the current series, it's like, um, some of these characters from this sort of alternate Jack Kirby history timeline have come through to now. And there's a young girl who knows that she has the inhuman gene because she's like a super genius, but she really doesn't want to become an inhuman because she's like, it's, I could turn into a crazy monster. Like I have no idea what I'd turn into. And I have like, there's no way that I want to do that. And people call her moon girl because her head's always in the clouds. Right. And then devil dinosaur comes through and they have an instant connection and make friends. And it's just like a fun adventure with them. Like, um, yeah, I think it's really good. It's really good. And it's a young African-American girl. So it's nice to see a little bit more diversity in the Marvel books. And And a dinosaur. And a dinosaur. You never see any big red dinosaurs anymore. Um, So it'd be really cool to see this continue on. I hope that it has a a strong enough readership to um, continue on. I hope she becomes sort of integrated into the rest of the Marvel U because I think she works really well. It seems it's completely independent at the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah. At the moment, it's fairly separate from everything else, which is also really good fun. I love that. And I love that about Ms. Marvel. I love that, um, well, it used to be more separate, but now she's sort of in the Avengers and stuff. But I liked I like the stuff that's very central to, you know, her turf in Jersey. Yep. Um Patsy Walker, aka Hellcat, um, is a I mean she has roots as a romance comic mm. character. It's written by uh, Kate Leth and uh, I aforementioned uh, Brittany Williams mm-hmm. on art. Um 
I mean, I love that she got her own series because that her character is kind of in um, the uh, Jessica Jones uh, yeah, Marvel series on on Netflix. Um, I mean, the, the, the kind of beginnings of of, of Hellcat is kind of hinted at, but um, you know, she was in the She Hulk um, last She Hulk run as kind of like her her you know. Helper. Helper, yeah, I guess that's a good word for it. She employed um, her for a little while. Yeah, and this is kind of her, kind of, she has nothing and uh, trying to build herself back up, not just as a, as a superhero, but as a kind of just a regular person. And she kind of comes up with the idea of um, basically like an odd job service. So again, mm. kind of like what um, what Nick Spencer is doing in Ant-Man with the app for supervillains. This is like a, um, like a, like a help wanted kind of service, like a Fiverr or something like that, except mm. you get super. It's like superheroes who don't want to be superheroes. Yeah, super powered humans to do odd jobs for you. Like especially people who have weird, slightly useless powers that could be useful in a small scale way, but not really great for the yeah. Avengers. What, what Hellcat has like weird powers, right? I don't know what it is. Is it like luck powers? Is she just another one of those? No, no, that's luck Cat. powers. Um, she kind of has like I don't know weird so like this tiny amount of cosmic power. That I'm yeah, not sure, yeah, yeah, it's, it's erratic, like that. hard to predict. Yeah, kind of not really that important to the character. She's like a fighter, basically. Yeah, in every sense of the word. Absolutely. Yeah, but I'm really enjoying this comic. I I, I, I was dubious at the first issue, but I've actually grown to quite love what what they're doing with it. Yeah, um, I mean it's smaller stakes superhero comics, but still superhero comics. I love a good smaller stakes. Me too. Um, I love a small story. stake. <laughs> it's not. It's not my favorite. I'm. I, I don't know why. I, I really want to love it. There's just something... I wish it was more plot-driven. Like, I feel like it's just a lot of, like, we're all just best friends and we hang out and that's awesome and everything. But I just wish that there was a bit more sort of pushing the story ahead, maybe. Sure. Yep. Um, but still good. Let's move to uh, the Spider-Verse. Yeah. That's, because... that's been so fun, having all of these, like, awesome female spider characters. So we have Spider-Woman, we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. Um, Jessica Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, we've also got Cindy Powers, is that her name? I think so. Um, and she is uh, Silk, who was a mm-hmm. character created for the Spider-Man universe about two years ago, just mm-hmm. before the um, Spider-Verse event. Um, and uh, finally, we have Spider-Gwen, who was created within the Spider-Verse event, who is an alternate version of Gwen Stacy, whose best friend Peter Parker died, mm-hmm. and she becomes, she gets the Spider-Powers. Um uh, that the three are all, uh, can be seen in the in the Spider Women event at the moment, which is actually quite a good event as far as events go. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but um, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, Dennis Hopeless, who's writing Spider Woman, uh, recently had a, a kid of his own. His his wife and he, he had they they had their first child, mm-hmm. and so he decided to write a comic where Spider Woman has a child, and um, it's amazing. As someone mm. who's recently had a, had their first kid as well, like, there's a lot of hilarious kind of you know how fucked is having a kid yeah. at times <laughs> moments, but. I don't know. I, I, I just love it. I feel like it's, it, it could have been so gimmicky and crap. Yeah. But instead, it's just, you know, it, Jessica Drew is a great character who, who's been famously mishandled over the Absolutely. years. Absolutely. You know, they made her a scroll for a while. And she's she had kinda, that terrible costume to deal with for years. Totally. And uh, I, I feel like, you know, they're really, really building her character up as something wonderful in Absolutely. this arc. Absolutely. I think they've done that with all of these, like, all of these spider women who could have been, like, when. Spider-Gwen. Like, Spider-Gwen could have just been a one-off joke, and she almost was, but she works really well, and people love the character. And same thing with Silk. Silk, when she first appeared, there was that whole thing of her and Peter having this sort of unstoppable sexual attraction. You could see her just being thrown aside like so many other sort of women who have fulfilled that role. But she's developed into like a really awesome character completely separately from Peter, and I'm really enjoying her book, her standalone title. I'm enjoying all of their standalone titles. Yeah. 
And I'm not reading any of the male spider, spider no, books. No, not at all. I'm certainly not so reading Web Warriors either. <laughs> no. God, I was, you know, I was really disappointed by Spidey, that one. Oh, really? Which is the sort of like separate universe with art by Nick Bradshaw, I think. I thought it was just telling stories from early in Spidey's career, but it is a separate year. I think it's, I think it's, it's supposed to be, but You're it just right. kind of retells stories that you've already seen in not a very interesting way. Right. Yeah, but sure. anyway, yeah. But the female spider books are much more, much more interesting. Than the yeah, one. and definitely, do, you know, like spider powers are crazy, guys. Yeah, look at all can, the different things you can do with them. You can do so much shit. It's crazy. Um, uh, on the uh, humor comics, um, we, we we mentioned uh, that, that Spider Gwen could have been a one-off joke, and mm. so too could have been Gwenpool, mm. which actually was created as a joke version of Spider Gwen. So yeah. it doesn't get more meta than that. Mm. But uh, they've they've launched a, um, a a comic of called Gwenpool, uh, written by Christopher Hastings with art by Gurahiro. Hero from um, from Japan, mm. and uh, like we love, we thought the first issue was pretty fun. It has no, this has no right to be a good comic book. No, but it it, it it it's yeah, it's it's pretty testing. If you do like your comics to kind of break the fourth wall, if you like Deadpool, you should love Gwenpool too. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> there is no reason to not enjoy Gwenpool if you like Deadpool. Yeah, uh, the art the art's excellent. Yeah, um, I and, love I love a cute sort of anime esque interpretation yeah, yeah. of this stuff. Um, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl also is yes. like such a good comedy. Such comic. a good one. And especially, I mean, we, we, most recently we reviewed the Choose Your Own Adventure issue, which I think, you know, should win an award for being one of the yeah. most, most fun issues in, in comics so far this year. Um, that's written by um, Ryan North and Erica Stevenson, who we spoke about earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, like, again, like pretty low, a lot of these comics, the comedy ones, they're always pretty low stakes. But I think that's the point of them. Absolutely. They're, they're fun, light reading with some great jokes and with a great sense of personality throughout it. Um, and Squirrel Girl, of course, is, you know, famously shouldn't be a character with her own kind of series, but it's doing mm. really well. It's, you yeah. know, like it, she was a joke character who has taken on some of the biggest villains in the Marvel universe and somehow walked away like Galactus and Thanos. Yeah. She's like um, the only one who's beaten all of these guys. <laughs> um, and uh, but, yeah, I mean like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun goofy comic. She has Absolutely. little squirrel buddies and that crosses over with Howard the Duck pretty regularly. And I think the sort of um, criticism, which I think is like reasonably fair of these, of a lot of the Marvel comedy books of being quite sort of Tumblr and like, but that's, that's the youth market, you know, like it makes so much sense for them to be, to be doing that. And that's where they're getting this talent from. They're getting, you know, um, webcomic writers and things like that, like Christopher Hastings and Ryan North and 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 Kate Kate Leth, Kate Leth also um, is a webcomic artist. So it makes a lot of sense. And I think that, um, if you're not enjoying it, then you're probably just too old. That's going to piss off dudes. Now we'll piss off uh, old people. No, but too. I think Perfect. I'm too old. I think I'm too old in a weird way for Hellcat because I just it doesn't appeal to me well, for I'm, reasons I'm, that I'm, I don't I've understand. I've got like six years on you, and I really like Hellcat. So I don't know. <laughs> go figure. Um, finally, we should talk about um, one of the biggest books to kind of like one of the mo- most recent, most popular Marvel new titles, mm. which is Ms. Marvel. Mm. Completely new character, new take on, on, on the you know, Ms. Marvel character, um, where she is uh, from New Jersey. Um, she, her, her, she is a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and an inhuman. And, and an inhuman. And, and she is a, a, a school, school kid. Yeah. Quite young. And um, you know, she, her, her, she has very strange powers, like stretchiness and growth powers. I think that's my favorite thing. One like I think one of the best things is that her powers are so weird. Like she can, um, she's like basically a shapeshifter, but a lot of the time she just kind of makes herself big, and she can make her limbs quite odd and big and change shape and stuff. And I think that's, I think that's a really cool, goofy power for her to have. Yeah, who's the uh, creative team on that again? Um, it's uh, G Willow Wilson and 
Alphonse. I can't think of his last name. Yeah, He's the, the guy, guy who did, who did Runaways. Runaways. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's just like, that's such a fan. Like, what, what a great comic to give someone, a, like a young girl yeah, who's never read a superhero comic before. And she's such a, like, it's such a teenage book, you know? And yep. the fact that she is Muslim comes up in terms of, like, her family um, structure and all that kind of stuff. But it shows the, like, she has a really beautiful relationship with her parents and her brother. Mm. And um, just her as a character is so, so lovely and charming. And I think I've said before, it really mirrors the sort of, it made a lot of sense when Spider-Man came along to give fans a character who sort of reflected them. And like um, Ms. Marvel is a huge geek and loves um, superheroes and is a huge like fan of the Avengers um, and is so totally overwhelmed when she, you know, teams up with Wolverine and stuff like that. And I think that's really fun. Definitely. That's a really fun Very way. fun comic. But actually high stakes. Has, yeah. Um, you know that she's—it's it's a regular superhero book, and you know now I don't—I don't really love that she's on an Avengers team now. No, I think she—she she works so much better as a as her own character that occasionally interacts with the Marvel universe. But yeah, I understand on capitalizing on the success of one character and as mm. many books as possible. Um, I would not be surprised if we see Ms. Marvel appear in uh oh, in, the, in the cinematic universe. I reckon I maybe after that. this phase. I reckon I don't know, like six or seven years down the track. Mm. Isn't know. it crazy that that seems now sort of possible and foreseeable like Absolutely. when it, when everyone yeah. like when they sort of announced their you know this is the phase two everyone was like Psh, that is never going to happen everyone's going to get tired of superhero movies but it's just not happened yet <laughs> um of course uh g willow wilson also writes a force which is a uh, a comic that is uh, about a um, all-female avengers team mm-hmm. um who's like is, who's on that team uh it's led by she hulk medusa's on it captain marvel also, um, Nico from Runaways. Yep. I'm All kinds. Some it, 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 it started off as a Secret Wars spinoff, mm. um, which I read and I thought it was pretty fun. Mm. Um, but uh, I don't continue reading the regular the regular series. You read it? Uh, I've picked up an issue here and there. It's right. not it's not as good as Ms. Marvel. Let's, yeah. let's be fair. Cool. But um, still good. We also forgot to include on this list um, Weird World, which is obviously hasn't got oh. the name of a female superhero in it, but the. Uh, the three main characters uh, are all female. Oh, um, including, I've been reading it. Oh, really? Oh, mm. it's fantastic. So, uh, again, Secret, War- Secret Wars launched Weird World, which was a very, very duty title, but mm. very fun. Jason Aaron doing a kind of like, his take on like a Conan kind of character in the Marvel mm. Universe. But Weird, Weird World is a, you know, almost like the Bermuda Triangle of the Marvel Universe. Um, you don't want to get stuck there because there's all kinds of magical, disgusting shit there. Um, and uh, that's exactly what happens to a, um, a, a young girl. Um, whose plane kind of crashes in Weird World and she's the only survivor. Oh, fun. And she has to... All she wants to do is get make it to Mexico to um, to scatter her mother's ashes. Right. Her mother sadly commits suicide mm. um, before she went on this, on this trip to, to kind of do this for her mother. And... Um, She's in this crazy world of of wizards and trolls and and man things, cool. um, and uh, she finds a, a female um, wizard slayer, um, and the two of them uh, embark on a journey to uh, kind of help each other out on their solo quests. And um, the uh, the main villain of it, um, who is as much a character as the other two, is um, what's the name of the uh, uh, like the female mag- magic um, enchantress? No, no, no. Uh, she. Her name is Morgan Le Fay. Morgan Obviously. Le Fay. That's it. Yeah, great. Um, and uh, yeah, this is written by Sam Humphreys with art by Mike Del Mondo. The art's unbelievable fantasy so good. tableaus and yeah, just so, so great. 
Um, yeah, Weird World is one of, probably my, like, my, my, one of my underdog favorite comics that I read month to month. Mm. Um, it doesn't double ship, which is uh, nice and refreshing. Nice. It just comes out every once a month, and that's that. Um, yeah, I, I, you would love this. I, yeah, I, I thought really, you were reading this, <laughs> this rendition of it. No. I, read, I read The Secret Wars um, time, and I really, really enjoyed that, but I just must have oh, this is so up your missed alley. out. Weird I definitely World. have to check it out. Yeah, um, I think the only, one, only comic we haven't talked about is uh, Angela. The, oh, yeah. Um, the Warren Ellis creation for Spawn that Marvel bought. Um, I don't know why. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? Um, she's, a, she's an angel. She's a sexy angel um, with a big sword. Who now has ties. She, she, they, they, they kind of made it so she that, that her realm is the eighth realm of the Thor yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Pretty boring. Whatever. She's like a, isn't she like Thor's sister or something stupid too? Oh, I feel like, did they even, wasn't that one of the, like, original sin yeah, secrets yeah, yeah, yeah. of, like, ooh, who's she related to? Something weird like that. Yeah. I can't remember. No, uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, maybe maybe Odin is her dad. Something bizarre like yeah, that. Yeah, something stupid. Not very interesting. But I haven't really been, she kind of does stuff with Guardians of the Galaxy every now and then. I haven't mm. really been won over by her yet. No. Are there any um, team comics featuring awesome superheroes that are girls in them? Um, I, I love Medusa, obviously, in Uncanny Inhumans and her um, sister Crystal in All mm. New Inhumans, both doing great work there. I think it's cool to see like more women leading the teams. Like you said, Rogue is sort of the um, leader of the Uncanny Avengers and things like that. And I think we're seeing that sort of thing more. Yeah. And then, um, of course, we talk about Ultimates every time it comes out. And mm. that's got three girls on it. And they're, yep. all, they're kind of like the most powerful yeah. members of that team, too. And it's my favorite my favorite version of Captain Marvel at the moment is seen in that book. Definitely, definitely for sure. It's also um, interesting to note that probably one of the most inconsistently written characters at Marvel Comics, Maria Hill. Is, oh, true. Like Maria Hill has been director of Shield for ages now, and I think that she is more than a worthy successor to Nick Fury as a character. And I, I really, I really like her as a sort of yeah. I mean, she's asshole she's not really written director of inconsistently. Shield. I think Shield is written inconsistently because I, yeah. I feel like they always want to put everyone at war with Shield, but then they need Shield to be not that at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Very confusing. So but, she's like the scapegoat for all of Shield. Yeah. Um, one that we also haven't talked about is the current Scarlet Witch series, which is the oh, true. James Robinson series. Yeah, of course. Um, which if you like all the magic stuff that's going on, if you like um, Doctor Strange at the moment, I really, I really do recommend checking out Scarlet Witch's really interesting concept different artists for every issue um looking at different sort of aspects of wonder and her past and the magic of the marvel universe and i think it's really good cool all right well if you had to pick three of the uh, female superhero books that we're reading from marvel at the mm. moment what would they be uh black widow for sure mighty thor and oh man i think i'm gonna say silk no wait see i'm gonna say spider woman hmm. yeah okay i'm gonna say silk i'm with you well i'm gonna say black 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 widow I was like, um, only Wolverine? Mighty, Mighty but- Thor and Spider-Woman. But also, if you just like some fun, light comics, um, I would recommend Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, yeah. Mockingbird, and Hellcat. Absolutely. Looks plenty. They're all pretty great. They're all really good. We you didn't really talk, any I mean, of these. The only one I wouldn't recommend, because I don't know that much about it, is Angela. Yeah, totally. All, all, all the others seem pretty great to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. So, we will keep you up to date with uh, female superheroes across all of the... Um, different publishers mm-hmm. and indeed superheroes across all the different publishers too Yay. so don't feel left out for god's sake <laughs> um if you uh, if we missed any really really great female superheroes at marvel that you love reading month to month let us know serious issues at kingscomics.com is our email address or you can get in touch with us at facebook.com slash serious issues um if you are a female comic book reader and you would like to be a part of a group of many fantastic female comic book readers Yay. siobhan where should they head to you should head to facebook.com slash queens of kings comics 
Um, and we'll have information up there really, really soon about the first meetup, which should be happening mid-June, I think. And we'll keep you up to date with that info as well on Yay. the podcast. Um, find us online. Uh, Siobhan can be found at SiobhanCBG mm-hmm. on Instagram. And uh, I'm Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G, on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. And um, we love hearing from uh, from you on on the Facebook page and on emails as well. We've gotten quite a few messages yeah, recently. Yeah, it's been really lovely. Thanks, guys. Um, it's unlike my, all my other podcasts that I do. It just kind of like all the emails are just people making weird jokes at me. Whereas this podcast is like, hey, I really love what you guys are doing. Thanks for doing it. That's cool. So it's a very weird thing for me. So thanks so much for everyone writing in just saying that they like it. Yeah, thanks, and, guys. Uh, and of course, the most n- most genuinely nice thing you could do for us uh, if you want to give something back to the show is uh, to give us a nice review on iTunes. I mean, there are plenty of other way more grandiose things that you could do for us. But, yeah, uh, you could send me presents. That's <laughs> Or <fine>. money. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if you want to leave a, a nice review of, of the show there, that'll be always be appreciated and it helps more people hear, find out about the show. Absolutely. Cool. Well, we'll be, blah, 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 blah. We'll be back next week. Um, I wrote down some of the books that you should check out that are coming out this week that we'll be talking about next week. Um, it's a pretty big week for comics. Of course, we've got the DC Rebirth number one, which, <gasps> is, which is quite cheap. It's only a two ninety nine American price point, which works out to like five yeah, something. I think that should be about five ninety five. Um, and uh, it's like eighty pages. So a big, big old comic written by Jeff Johns. There is a lot in that. In that issue, we find out no. the true identity of the Joker. Apparently, that's like a big thing. Right. We get to see a whole bunch of stuff that's happening in Rebirth. So there's I'm, spoilers. I'm, so you've read the spoilers. I did. I just can't stop myself. I don't I'm know not, what's I, wrong I, with I, me. I will not let you spoil but there it are, to me. There are some... Because someone, um, someone leaked the whole first issue um, online. Really? On Reddit or something. Jerks. So, yeah, I know. Um, man. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to have some things to talk about. Um, we've also got from DC the Scooby Apocalypse book, which we're also going to have some things to oh, talk yeah. about with next week. Um, and uh, on the Marvel side of things, we get Captain America, Steve Rogers. Of course, he's now, now Captain America, not only again, but as well, because we've still got Falcon as Captain America as well. So there's two gaps. Cool. Um, and uh, Marvel also putting out a Nighthawk number one, too. Um, Finally. We got the uh, on DC doing the final issue of Omega Man um, by our man Tom King. Um, I've been really enjoying that series, so keen to see how it ends. Um, we also see the end of one of my favorite image series. Um, this is the third volume of uh, Luther Strode. This mm. one's called The Legend of Luther Strode, an incredibly fun and violent comic by Justin Jordan with art by probably my favorite comic book artist working right now. He's so brilliant. Trad Moore. I can just, just, I just, he just draws amazing motion lines. Yeah. No one does action scenes like Trad Moore. And that Ghost Rider series was like one of my favorite books. And like, you know, if you haven't been reading Luther Strode, it's a fantastic, really fun comic. But while I'm excited to see it wrap up, just to see the story come to a close, I'm also very excited to see what Trad Moore does next. Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, Justin, you know, Justin uh, Jordan's been drawing stuff, writing for everybody. But uh, Trad Moore's, you know, I think it takes, it takes a long time to draw all those lines yeah, around so. all the characters. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I hope Marvel will get him on exclusivity. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, I'm also super excited. Um, Divinity 2, issue 2 from Valiant's coming out. Yep. That was really cool. Get to see more Putin. Perfect. I love Putin in my comics. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, we'll be back next week. Serious issues for another episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Witness history at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. 
Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.